MMR's Preston C podcast is brought to you by Acme. Get more from your store with Acme's Fresh Pass program. Acme Markets. Fresh food, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Casey was just whizzing in my ear. Aww. There's exciting news to share with our next guest. Uh-huh. You guys don't know about it. He just told me about it. Oh, right? Very nice. So I think this is really cool. But first, we want to welcome him, good friend of the show. We are happy to have on the program, Mr. Kevin Smith. Hey! Via Zoom. Hey, Kev. Good morning. Good morning, kids. This is an historic historic uh, trip into the President Steve show. You know, many times I've phoned in, many times I've been in the room. It's the first time I'll ever be able to smoke weed. <laughs> oh, oh, doing the interview. Wake oh. and bake, man. Uh-huh. It's oh, 6 a.m. Yeah. in L.A. Oh, well, I've been up since 4, my friend. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, we have as well. So, no, that's 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 a that's a wonderful thing. And you're you're in a room that obviously you have your collectibles behind you. It's it's uh, we love we love the hat, which has a uh, a Viking s corn uh, thing going on. Yep, boobies, uh, my my cow from all the. Oh, yes. oh turn turn it around. By third round, you see the face. Oh, there we go. Love it. Love it. The right way. That's that's a rare photo. When I die, kids, put that photo (laughs) of my hat spun the right way because there's maybe three on the planet. Okay. Has anybody ever made an uh, egg a movie muffin for you before? They have. We at the movies pop ups that we've done, including we did one in Philly at one point. Um, we've done the egg of movie muffins. We've done the <laughs> cock smoker chicken sandwiches. The did <laughs> one on a, a movies pop about here in Hollywood on 420 for for a couple of days. Um, it went insanely well. There we had Jason Lee come in at night. And we did an episode of Smodcast there, like 200 people, which was fantastic. You can listen to it on Smodcast right now. He was so <laughs> electric. Like you know, dude's uh. always been great in the movies, but like. Live in front of people, he was wonderful. So we continue doing movies. We're bringing one to San Diego, one to Orlando uh, two weeks from now. But at San Diego Comic-Con, we're taking over a whole place. It's in roof and turning it into a movies for the whole weekend. It's going to be fun. Man, there's a great quick throwaway line from Chris Rock and Dogma where he goes, let's go talk about this over a chicken and a two-piece. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a biscuit and a two-piece. Yeah. I was just like, I love it, man. I love that that Chris you guys Rock, have that, that. Chris Rock, whatever happened to that guy? It's too much. Well, you know what? Listen, for Kevin Smith and for New Jersey and for, you know, waking and baking and all that, I mean, it, it, these are the, the, as they say, the, in, in classic literature the best of times uh it's got to be it's got to be rocking your world that this is happening where where you were uh, a, a wee fellow growing up that you can access the uh all of this stuff is it that is that it's that uh uh what was the shot we were by, it was over a distillery somewhere and uh, not a distillery a dispensary and the line was like around the block oh, yeah yeah i didn't i don't know where that yeah, one yeah. was but they were lining up like crazy lining up like yeah. crazy yeah have you what? have you told oh, for, uh, for the ganj? Have they, you, they, they've legalized uh, marijuana, uh, um, recreational marijuana in uh, New Jersey. And uh, <laughs> yep, what do we have there? What are you showing? My own brand of weed that we make. It's called oh we God. make snoogans. Snoogans. <laughs> another one called Snoochie Boochies. Yes, of course. Oh you have to have that. We make berserker. Uh, we sell that out here in California. They sell it in Illinois, Oklahoma, a lot of weed legal states. But hopefully now that Jersey has gone legal, something that Jane Silent Bob never dreamed of. Right. 
Um, it plays into uh, Clerks 3. In, in Clerks 3, Jay and Silent Bob have turned the RST video into a weed store because it's weed legal in New Jersey now. <laughs> That's great. So they go legit in Clerks 3. I mean, I, I saw a writing on the wall. Once the state went legal, I was like, uh-oh, our boys have to kind of catch up. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, it's uh, we've been talking about opening a dispensary in Jersey as well because Lord knows we've been positioned for the last almost 30 years. Uh, we've got a, a <laughs> brand that kids can trust, James on the pop, selling you weed for, for decades. Why, why not walk into a store and have them sell you weed? So uh, hopefully we get a dispensary going in Jersey. But I, I celebrate the Garden State for embracing it's true nature, finally. <laughs> All right, you mentioned Clerks 3, and this is part of the exciting news right. that I wanted to, to reveal here. So, uh, Kevin Wait, Burnett. I, I, had, I forgot about this until Case brought it up, and then I was like, he, he, he drops a name, and I was like, uh... And then I started singing a thing, and he goes, yes. And I was like, oh, my Lord, that's right. It traces right back to you kids yeah, Casey. and appearance on the show. Tell so me. so um, uh, Kevin was was on the search for some music for uh, the Jay and Silent Bob or the, uh, yeah, Clerks 3 soundtrack. And uh, and Casey was like, I think I know who we can put him in touch with that would be perfect because he was looking for something cool, yeah. unique, had a really in, uh, uh, unique style to it. Underground and so, vibe, yeah. yeah. Underground vibe. So Casey recommended Froggy wow. to oh, Kevin Smith and Kevin... They're going to be in the soundtrack, right? We're in the movie. Oh, in the movie. oh my god! Absolutely, the movie's locked and done. Lionsgate has it. I'm seeing. <laughs> just saw posters the other day, and I'm seeing like a trailer next week. So wow. they've been in the movie for such a long time. Ever since Case texted me, I think he was like, "I think you would like these cats," yeah. or, I, or I think we talked about it on the show. I forget what the. Well, I saw it on show. Twitter, so I can't remember if I responded to you on Twitter or if I saw it on Twitter and then sent you a text. But either way, you, you, you as well. Yeah, you put you put the call I, out. You did. I did. I, yeah. On Twitter, I put up a tweet going, hey, you know, we've got our movie opens with MCR with Welcome to the Black Parade. Um, one of the closing songs is Pearl Jam tune. We've got, we've got a, a Jefferson Starship song in there for those of us who grew up in that era. Oh, yeah. uh, so we've got big music, but I was like, you know, Clerks, even though it's Clerks 3, Clerks has its origin in the DIY world. It was made by a bunch of kids with no access. So for years, I've always been asked by people like, hey, man, can I put music in your movie? So I put out a tweet where I was like, look, I can use plenty of music. Hit me with your best shots. And people are gifted, man. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's, I got a lot. I, I got 12 songs from the soundtrack from that one tweet. All of them radio ready. All of them like, you know, I ain't doing anybody any favors. They're legitimately making my art better by being included. One of the suggestions came from Case was like, there are these three kids yeah. who are like a power trio, <laughs> and they did this song like 7-Eleven Nachos. Yeah. I was like, we're not a 7-Eleven. I was biased because I was like, we're not a 7-Eleven. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. And it is so raw and pure. It's it's basically like a, a song version of the first movie I made. Like, you know, we have nothing going for us but talent mm. raw talent and three instruments we don't have any uh expensive equipment we don't have a huge studio time like it's just three kids with passion or however many kids are in the band so i fell in love with the song instantly and we reached out to them secured it it's it's in the movie oh that's all i mean really prominently like in a kevin smith movie finding real estate where no somebody's not talking is very very difficult yes. as rare breathing room they have an entire stretch where nobody says anything. All 
uh, Brian O'Halloran as Dante is closing uh. up the score for the night, and you just hear, you know, it buttons a joke, and then you hear, and the voice again, oh, I love not your nose. I just rubbed something yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So wow. I played it. I put, dropped it into the cut when I was editing, and it played so well oh, yes. that we reached out and we were like, let's do it. So they're locked. They're in the movie. Yes. We, we fell in love with them. Then the second we found out about them, they came out and played the camp out for Hunger. They're going to be at the MMRBQ. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, is that they're not, oh, we, we kind of... Oh, this is interesting. We're going to sort of mimic this. They're straight up the real deal, and they're so energetic and so nice, and this could not be better news. That's awesome. Yep. I'm sure, on, you know, if they're true punk, I'm sure they're disgusted by the fact that they're on a Kevin Smith <laughs> <laughs> it, it truly gives, like, it, it blends insanely well with the film because, again, this is the third iteration of a Clerks movie, and, you know, I started this, like, 30 years ago almost, like, 29 years ago at this point. So, you know, I can't lay claim to any sort of punk rock aesthetic anymore. You know, I've been around long enough that, like, even if I'm not part of the establishment, I am the establishment. Any sort of artistry that lends you an authenticity to the work, um, even if it's their authenticity and people, like, listen to that piece of music and kind of transpose uh, their feelings about that with their feelings about the original clerks it all gels very nicely as as you watch it's very obviously i'm speaking like a stoner you know <laughs> well in, in the documentary about you which i love by the way uh, you know Malcolm Ingram's documentary clerk it was so good it's so good and and and, and so the clerks and, and everything about it is obviously the the foundation the bedrock of what your career has become i mean it, can you even uh, Everything to fall into place and at this point in time to still be revisiting those characters, it's got to be on the order of a, of a blessing you could never have anticipated. Never. I've been trying to make a Clerks 3 for like over 10 years and for a while it looked like, oh, I guess it's just not going to come to be. But post heart attack, everything, the efforts got tripled where I was like, well, I'm living on borrowed time. If I hope to get anything done, I better get it done ASAP. You can't just be like, well, we'll get around to that. Right. You think about it, like, get to it sooner rather than later. And thankfully, you know, Clerks 3 kind of came together. It, it turned into a beautiful movie. We take it out this fall. Um, Lionsgate has it. Um, it, 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 it. I can't wait for people to see it. It's it's the movie they hope it's going to be, and then it's a, a different movie they weren't expecting. You know, you talk about that, that obviously um, seminal moment with the heart attack, and, and I, I, I follow you, and you, you're on Instagram, you're hiking constantly, you've taken good you know, command of your, your health, and you're out there being physical. But in, in this case, and you joke about being, you know, like, uh, you're, you're not the, the main thrust, the main, you know, director and the main thrust when Kevin Smith first first burst on the scene. And while that was, I'm sure, wonderful, you've got to be enjoying this. I'm going to say it for you, whether you agree or not. This phase so much more because it seems like you want to do it, you do it. And you're not beholding to um, what the, the quote unquote suits at a major movie company are going to want you to do. Which means that I'm not as rich. <laughs> well, that means, that's why you see me all the time, like, hustling. You know, right. that's why it's always like, I got something else. Like, I'm talking about Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash, Silver Anniversary Bash, May 7th and 8th at, at our store in Red Bank. We're doing a big celebration for the anniversary. Uh, the whole Clerks cast coming in, taking pictures of everybody. And then we're doing a three-way Q&A at night. It's going to be fun. Um, so tickets at csmod.com. So that's one thing I'm working on. Another thing I'm working on, mm -hmm. 
Jay and Silent Bob slippers. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Kevin just they, show look, they look great. Yeah. Just their faces. Silent Bob slippers. This to me, I know Dude. people feel like you total whore. You become crusty. <laughs> but the idea, you know how many themed slippers I've bought in my life? Yeah. So, these go on sale very, very soon at uh, DanielStylebob.com. They've done, look at this, man. This guy, Chogrin, did this thing called Guru Askew. This is, it's made of felt. It's like, oh, my God. It's got a furry thing, and it's kind of me holding up all the things, like a bullhorn for directing the movie. There's a clerk script, microphone for talking. We make a lot of merch because I don't have one of those respectable Hollywood gigs where they pay a lot of money to do one thing and do it well. I will never be able to do any one thing well. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, so I spin a lot of plates. That's why it's like I got Clerks 3 uh, this summer. Last summer, Masters of the Universe came out. Uh, I'm working on a TV show with my kid right now. Um, you know, we're, we're in the midst of getting ready for... Um, stash bash. Like, I got to spin a lot of plates um, because I don't do the standard thing. It's not a complaint. Uh, it's also, it's really like I couldn't even do the standard thing if I wanted to. That takes talent. So I'm holding on by my fingertips in this career. You know, I've been in almost 30 years at this point. And but so you've always been a hustler, right? You, I mean, you've always, from day one. So that, and we sense you enjoy that. I, I, you know, that that's part of the thing. So, so I, I, it seems like you're right in your element. There was a, a, my, my wife who, rarely, I love her to death, but she rarely, like, you know, goes, hey, good for you or anything. She's, <laughs> she's like, just do whatever you do and make sure everything's paid off on time. <laughs> so the other day um, I was telling her about uh, the, this, there's a movie theater in the town we grew up in that's like up for sale. And, you know, I was like, look, I always felt like eventually one day it'd be cool to own a movie theater. And I know like movie exhibition is a business that, like, right now, particularly in the pandemic, there's a reason this movie theater's up for sale. Right. right? Like, But I always felt that, like, the best use of a movie theater, if you owned one, would be, like, during the day, you know, at night, it's a movie theater. That's when people go to the movies and stuff. Uh, matinees, you don't get a ton of people, so you surrender the day to a film school, and you have an actual film school, like, in a movie theater, particularly this movie theater has about five screens. So I was talking to my wife. I was like, I, you know, buying a movie theater, investing in a movie theater, probably not the smartest thing unless I could pivot it into a film school. And I've been doing this long enough where, like, you know, I, I, I'm an ambassador for the Vancouver Film School, which is a, where I learned my trade up in Vancouver. Right. I've um, done tons of ads for the Dave School, which is a, a, a film school in, in Florida, amongst other places. So I was like, I know people that will build a curriculum and I could partner up with, and there's a possibility that I could do, like, you know, View University or Kevin Smith Film School or Jay and Son of Bob's Film School. <laughs> because, again, I've got enough experience to, like, go, like, this is how you do a thing. Right. And so my wife, after the conversation, you know, I'm always hesitant to share stuff with her because sometimes she's just like, ugh, another thing. <laughs> but, you know, she, like, after years together, she just kind of nodded her head and, and, you know, walked away and stuff and said, that sounds nice. And then she sent me a text where she was like, not for nothing. I never say this to you, but it. I really appreciate how it never ends for you. Ah, like you know, we you've been doing your job and you've been doing me for decades, and like you're always thinking of new things to do. She's like, it must be really nice to wake up every day and go like, ooh, what about this? And that's been the true blessing of the last like three decades. Is 
like it, making clerks. And I think that's the reason I constantly come back to it and celebrate it, you know, was was me like basically building the bridge to my entire future. Where sure. I just got to like make pretend for a living. I got to stay a kid instead of like doing what my dad did and having to get like a real ass job and only being young on the weekends with your children or something like that. So it is, it's rarefied air that I'm breathing. And so how much of that is because you're stoned all the time? <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent point. I think for the last, let's see, I've been a stoner, you know, I became a stoner on Zach and Mary, so that was 2008. So right now we're about, uh, 14 years from from that okay flick. so for the last 14 years which has been like basically half of my career at this point um like i have been uh stoned through all of it and i, I personally love the second half of my career <laughs> when the first most people go for the first half right. like clerks and all rides and chasing him and i'm like i get you i get you but for the guy who made those movies when i made him at first i was so self-conscious and then like it happened, and all of a sudden, I'm learning my craft in front of people and stuff. I know exactly like who the hell I am and what I want to do now. Like as an artist, and I also know what's impressive to me. Like I don't get me wrong, I love Clerks, the magic trick and stuff. But I'm like, you know, Clerks, great. Could the guy who made Clerks pull off Tusk? Like no, like <laughs> right. this guy to pull off Tusk. And as an artist, like you know, I. I realize I'm predicated on that guy, and I love young Kevin Smith because he got us here. He's the one that, like, was smart enough to be like, let's try a thing. Even if it fails, at least we tried it. And if it works, maybe we rock it to, you know, maybe we escape Krypton before it explodes. And that's kind of, like, what happened. So I love young Kevin Smith, but I really love older Kevin Smith's career because it's like you said. I'm like, let me just try this. I'm going to try this. <laughs> yeah. But it's not all predicated on whimsy. I mean, all of it's whimsical, but a lot of it is like me figuring out, all right, how do I make the next meal? How do I pay the next bill? Because most of the stuff I do is very short-lived, like uh, in like like camp. You go to camp for a couple months, then it's done. You got to figure out a new project. I don't have a career that's like steady paycheck all the time. I got to figure out like where the next meal is coming from. And I just try to make it as creative for myself as possible and fun for others. Well, you've hit you've hit the point where you've got that that perfect trade-off. You 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 do have that okay, I got to hustle and hustle, but you have more autonomy than you've ever had A. And then yes. and then and B, it's, you're obviously more fulfilled than you uh, you know, ever were. And it, it's 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 a point in in your life. I've had it where you sort of say the the guy I was I for, I forgive that guy. I'm happy that guy existed because it got me to where I am now, which I really feel comfortable and confident with. And I think that if if everything is going right and it is really kind of a runaway, you know, wagon at some point, but you can stay sort of linear and get where you need to go, it's a wonderful thing to realize, hey, it actually all worked. It actually I'm where I'm supposed to be. And and you're you're that guy now. You know what the key was, kids? It's lowering the bar. Yeah. <laughs> it helps. A lot of people like to shoot for the moon, but I'm like, you know, put the bar on the ground, step over it, and that's accomplishment too. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, yeah. My goals were small enough. Each one was like not a mountain I had to climb, but like a hill that like maybe took a little wind out of me. But by the time I got to the top, I was like, Huzzah. <laughs> That's a hiker's modify, philosophy. Modify your expectations, which is what my 
wife did when we got married. She's yeah. been very happy for over 20 years. <laughs> By the way, uh, a belated happy birthday to her. You took her to see Funny Girl on I Broadway. Did. And uh, was it Beanie? Uh, um, no, not Beanie with Newworth. No, 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 no. Who's who's playing uh, uh, Beanie, Beanie Feldstein? Who's who yeah. played Monica Lewinsky in that uh, in that uh, series? Uh, yeah. How was it? She was so wonderful and, and book smart. Yeah. Jonah Hill's like, sister, is it not? Um, I loved it. I yeah. loved uh, Funny Girl, and I thought Beanie was great. Um, you know, full admission, I never saw the original, ah. so I've never seen the Barbra Streisand performance. But for me, the whole thing was a discovery because I was like, oh, that's where these, I knew three of the songs. I was like, this is where they came from? Yeah. And a wonderful musical, you know, very main character focused um uh, you know you're it, it all sits very squarely on the shoulders of your lead if your lead doesn't work the whole show doesn't work but she i thought she was great man i saw it in the second week of previews um we took the the wife we bought tickets for to go see the matthew broderick and uh, sarah jessica parker um neil simon uh plaza suite show. yeah classic and we bought like uh tickets for the funny girl as like backup but they wound up canceling the other show because they both got COVID. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Broderick. That's right. And um, yeah, then, then I was I kept saying to my wife, I was like, they're married. If he's got it, how is she not? <laughs> yeah. it? Later, she, like she got it too. Right, right. So our backup show became the main show, and it was absolutely wonderful. If you get a chance to go to New York, kids, uh, go check out Beanie Feldstein and in funny girls yeah. it's wonderful i was actually up there probably a week before you seeing hugh jackman as the music man uh that was, which... my, I, I, that was my second show that <laughs> we're going to if if we had one more day how was it uh it was awesome and it's so funny because i i wasn't uh or at least i didn't think i was familiar with the musical and then every single time they broke in the song i'm like oh i know this song i know this <laughs> yeah. song but the one song i was familiar with was because uh from the yeah, it was sung guy. in the no wedding singer oh, the, oh yeah. yeah 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 and then shapoopy i was like oh my god yeah family guy <laughs> so i had no idea how uh entrenched the music man has been in my pop culture life is and and hugh jackman it's just kind of it's unfair how wonderful that guy is, you know, and it, you know he's just super talented. He's super good looking. I, I hear he's really nice. You know, come on, man. He's, he's super nice. I met him once, and I went to his house, and he lives like in Manhattan on the West Side Highway. He's got like uh, the top few floors of this apartment building, and beautiful views, like fantastic. And he said, he, "I was like, when I came in, I was like, this must have been." Paid for by Wolverine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, and he's like very specifically X Men Three, and I was like, "Good to know, man. This is how you live." Well, he's wonderful. Him and his wife, such sweet people, man. Like they sat there and listened to my heart attack story for like a half hour, and they were very, at least, pretended to be interested in stuff. <laughs> I was meeting with them about Mitch Album was uh, making a hockey movie, and 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 uh, Mitch knows. Hugh somehow, and for a red hot minute, Hugh was gonna do it, and so I went over to meet with him, and and uh, it, it couldn't have been a sweeter dude. So when I saw the show going up in New York City, I was like, "What a dream for this guy, man!" He like leaves his apartment, takes a cab, maybe ten minutes, yeah, and goes to work every night, and then the show's over, he goes back to like his own home. He's not staying in some hotel. He's got That's wild. X-Men pad and stuff. He's such a nice guy. He deserves it. He's oh, very, very sweet. Kevin, I want to ask you about uh, Kilroy was here and yeah. uh, and the whole mechanism behind that and the NFT stuff. And can you explain what you have going on with that? Yeah, we're releasing uh, with the good folks at Secret uh, through their Legendow. Uh, we're releasing Kilroy was here, 
as a NFT series, 5,555 generative pieces of Kilroy art. So you get the movie, you get everything behind the scenes and stuff, but you get this piece of art that's your Kilroy. Um, And so, you know, uh, most things we own, we don't own, right? Right. Something, you own a copy, it's not really yours. Uh, this is your copy. The ownership is a big deal in the world of cryptoverse and then blockchain and stuff. And uh, not only that, but this piece of art that's it's your own version of Kilroy. The thing that makes me excited about it is like we're encouraging everybody with their piece of art. It, it, take it and make a thing, make a short, make a cartoon, make a short film, just like we did with Kilroy. Kilroy is a series of shorts put together. It's an anthology horror film. So the idea is um, you make a short from your version of Kilroy, which you own. And then we're going to put that together in the sequel, and I'll shoot a framing device. And so our sequel is generated by the people who buy the artwork in the first place. Wow. You can take art consumer, collector and consumer yeah. to collaborator. So it's it's a fun thing. If you were ever, if you're somebody who's like, look, I want to get noticed in the business of film, this is the easiest, quickest way to do it, man, because you make a short. It's going to be good enough, especially if you're like, I hate Kevin Smith and his movies. I'm way more talented than him. It's like, great. Then here's your chance to actually prove it. Make a little Kilroy short that's better than anyone we did. It's going to go in a movie right next to the ones that I got to do. And you know me. I'm loud. I talk about everything I do. So it's going to get exposure. So to me, I'm like, this is a great way in for a film school kid. Um, but it's it's fun for the folks in the world of NFTs because there's never been a film minted as an nft were the first and so first through the door but um but also like in the world of nfts in the crypto universe a crypto verse the metaverse I, I nothing but love where people have been like yes this is the future and when we announced it like a year ago and when we recently announced what we're doing with the drop which happens in may a lot of folks that i used to work with in the studio system have reached out to be like we're watching like the, because everyone wants to come into the space. They see it as the next playground. I had a feeling. Yeah, because yeah. It, it, it's so unique. And I know that this again, it's like the Wild West right now with these things. And everyone who professes to have a real grasp of it really seems to not have a real grasp of it. So uh, it'll be curious to see how it works out. It's true. Web three is going to be a real interesting uh, time creatively uh, as you know, people are figuring out like that they can monetize their own futures. I mean, you could literally monetize your own future and create your own currency at this right. point. Um, so, uh, you know, for some people, you know, NFTs are a scam. I've heard all manner of people uh, talking about it, having opinions and whatnot. I always think of it as fine art. You walk into a gallery in New York and there's some people willing to pay like $20,000 for some paint splashed on a canvas. And, you know, most of the world will think that's stupid, but that person who buys it, values it to that point where, like, this means something to me. You know, you can't... Art is something that's very, very tough to, to discern for everybody, right. you know? It's, it's the reason why some people like Marvel movies and don't. It's like <laughs> yeah. a matter of taste. But to me, that's what the NFT world is. It's a mixture of the world of fine arts and new media. And the idea that, like, you could collaborate in this field. I, I couldn't do... Like, we just made Clerks 3 with Lionsgate. If I turned around to Lionsgate and says, oh, I want to release this movie as an NFT, they'd be like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> um, and if I was like, I want to do the sequel with a bunch of people that own their own pieces of the movie, it's like, they'd be like, you can't legally do that. There's, We would need contracts galore. In this new medium, you can play and you can try things hmm. um, and be experimental. So it's fun. It's just one more thing to play in. Um, yeah. and, and hopefully people... 
uh, don't see it as threatening and come and play as well. Yeah. So uh, speaking of playing, Kevin, I, I have a, a hockey-related question for you. I uh, I went up and saw the Devils. I'd never been to the Prudential Center before, and I went up and saw the Oh, isn't the rock beautiful? It, well, first of all, gorgeous facility. I, I was so impressed by it. Uh, Devils fans uh, also, I was real like, listen, they've had a crappy season just like the Flyers had. The reason I went was it was uh, Claude Giroux's first game uh, back in the area, so he played up in in uh, you know at the at the Rock against the Devils, um, and uh, it, it was really it was a lot of fun. It was cool to see the Panthers. It was cool to see the Devils. Um, but you know you've been in L.A. for a long time, and uh, I'm curious as to whether or not your hockey allegiances have shifted to the West Coast because you know the <laughs> Devils uh, have struggled lately, and uh, the the Kings have been pretty good. You know they've won a couple of cups. So does your like if you're an East Coast guy and you move to the West Coast? Do your allegiances change? Do I look like the kind uh, of guy? Seriously? Like, uh, do, I, do I look like the kind of guy identifies with winners, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm a loyalist, man. You, you, you stick with me. And uh, the Devils brought me into not just hockey, but sports in general. I was never a sports kid growing up. And I grew up in the epicenter of the sports world, man. Yankees, Mets, Flyers. Eggles, you know, on and on, <laughs> all around us. And never once did it capture my imagination. Never once did my father try to drag me into a sport. He liked boxing, so we uh. watched boxing a lot. But boxing, I was always bored by because I'm like, if they're going to hit each other, put on masks, put on tape. <laughs> and my father was so embarrassed by that. So, um, for me, it was uh, Walter Flanagan, like, uh, in, who was on Comic Book Men with us for years. Um, and from Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, his podcast with Brian Johnson, I keep explaining, and Brian Quinn from Impractical Joker. <laughs> um, they, the, uh, Walter was the one that brought me into playing hockey at the Highlands Recreation Center, first street hockey, and then bringing me up to Devils games. And he was like a diehard Devils fan from the year the franchise moved over from Colorado. Um, or Kansas, I forget which one it was. Yeah, Kansas. They were, I think they were both, Kansas yeah, and yeah. Colorado. So at, uh, at a certain point, um, he brought me into the Devils. And whenever I think of the Devils, it's not just what they've done, the cups they've won. It's not just like the Devils that I've met over the years and the involvement that I've had with the organization and many times that I've worn the crest proudly on my own chest. It's all also very emotionally tied into those early moments yeah. of my friendship with Walter. So I can't have that with the Kings. Right. I can't have that with another team. I did have a, a love affair and still remain deeply uh, in love with the Edmonton Oilers based on a deep abiding uh, passion <laughs> for Wayne Gretzky that I mm -hmm. had during my, uh, what I could assume was a midlife crisis. Um, but leaving the devils behind, adopting a new team is just not in the cards for me. You know, on a certain level, uh, I'm sure there will be a piece of my body wearing <laughs> some piece of devil's paraphernalia when they close the lid on <laughs> possible world. <laughs> no, that's cool. I, well, you, you mentioned uh, 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 massive. That being said, since we're in Philly, can we just take this moment, though? Um, while we're making Clerks 3, like, I'm, I, you know, how I direct now is I, I don't really direct. And you ask any critic, they'll tell you, like, he hasn't been doing that for years. But I host, I host the movie, and there's a lot of speeches. Like, I'm always telling everybody where we are. I narrate the whole movie and let them know and stuff. But there was one day, um, it was the second, I think it was the last day of production where I gave them the flyer speech where everybody was gathered and we had a crew of about 100 people and stuff. And we couldn't all be in the same space. Quick Stop is very small. And we shot in New Jersey. 
at the quick stop. So a lot of people, since it was COVID, we were zoned out into areas like red zone, green zone, yellow zones to keep people safe. And we never got any COVID on set, thank the Lord. We never got shut down. Getting shut down would have been tough for us because we were a low budget movie. So we would gather people outside. We owned the street for like two weeks. So the street was shut down. So we bring everybody outside. And I gave him a speech where I said, look, I was like, some people in the area might remember this. Some people are hockey fans will know this. If you're a Flyers fan, you definitely know this. I was like, there's a great man named Freddie Shiro who wrote on the chalkboard before the Flyers went on to win their first cup, a profound uh, quote that I've deeply loved my whole life. And I think it's applicable here. Um, win together today and we will walk together forever. I was like, what we're doing right now, this is it. We just spent all of our time making what people are going to see as clerks three for good or for bad. And this is it. And we're about to hopefully stick the landing. And together, like, I'll remember all of you because we win together today. You will be beside me for the rest of my life. Whether That's I great. see you or not, you are the people with whom I did the thing I wanted to do. I ascended. So I thank you for this very uh, important Freddie Shiro moment in our lives. And some people got it, and some people were like, geez, can't this guy just, like, make a movie show? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Well, we have to ask, because you did mention uh, uh, capes and, uh, and masks, uh, superhero-wise. Uh, what did you think of the Batman, Matt Reeves' The Batman? Is the Batman movie that, as a kid, I dreamed about. Absolutely. Not as a kid kid, because when I was a kid, it was Adam yeah. West. Right. right. But, you know, from the 80s forward, late 80s forward, from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns forward, you know, you were like, man, why can't they just treat it seriously? And Chris Nolan did that, and you were yes. like, wow, what a deadly serious treatment of the character. <laughs> and um, I would say Zack Snyder did uh, also deadly yeah. treatment serious the character, and now Matt Reeves is doing the same thing. Everybody wants to make him work in the real world. Um, uh, Zack Snyder less so. His was definitely more comic booky and 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 uh, with missiles and stuff like that. Not a criticism. Yeah, uh, don't want to hear from the Snyderverse people. I love those movies. Yeah, uh, but the Batman is like, let's make it as absolutely realistic as possible. Kind of like that Batman Earth One book that they did a few years ago that Jeff Johns did. Right, like make it pragmatic, make it understandable. Um, he may be rich, but it's not like everything. He, he's got a gadget for everything. He's more a guy in self-styled armor, figuring it out. They took a year to approach. Uh, I, I thought I thought it was wonderful. It was better than any Batman movie I, I could have made. Though. It was it was sensational, and and the whole tone and the fact that he spends about eighty five percent of the movie in as Batman is a guy who wants to be Batman more than he wants to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. My only, my only uh, you know, beef with the movie is very tiny beef, and it was more humorous than anything else. But it's, uh, you know, they got those two scenes where he shows up at the door, and, you know, he's like, <laughs> you know who I am? And they're like, yeah, you're Batman, and then you give him crap, and he punches people. And he shows up as Bruce Wayne, you know who I am? And they're like, Bruce Wayne. And I know it's meant to illustrate that, like, Boy, that mask, you know, <laughs> difference or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, I just wanted him to change his voice a little bit. Right, it's, right. You're you're acting like Batman even when you're not Batman. So, I, you know, I I love when somebody does the dichotomy. Like, remember when Christian Bale yeah. was drunk when Batman Begins? He's like, everyone leave. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> he never sounded Batman-like. And then he drops the facade. Ben had a wonderful moment. In Batman v Superman, 
I think it was, where, you know, uh, Misty, Lex Luthor's assistant, I think it was, um, comes looking for him. Maybe Misty is the wrong name. And uh, opens the door, and he's trying to put a tracer right. you know, in the electronics room. And then he's like, oh, I got lost looking for the bathroom. And, and he's like, I like those shoes. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. about it. Like, it did not sound like Batman. So, you know, and Michael Keaton had his kind of uh, distracted Bruce Wayne. Yes, form. right. I love, I, you know, and I look forward to his, his forthcoming Batman in The Flash. But his take on Bruce Wayne was Bruce Wayne, like, was baffled as, uh, as Bruce Wayne, and he was himself as Batman, you know, and he also lowered his voice as Batman. And this was the first time that 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 a actor didn't differentiate with one scene, or the director, I can't lay it up to actor's feet, didn't differentiate with one scene where you were like, all right, there's Bruce Wayne and there's Batman. But that works in this movie right. because it's year two and he's still figuring out how to do this. Mm. So you get away with it in the structure of the story. I loved it. And I, I wanted to ask you, so, and, and we've talked Did about you hear this. how I just gave Matt Reeves permission <laughs> like that? I was like, oh, he gets away with it. He's, <laughs> he's comfortable <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I'm sure Matt would take that to heart. So um, <laughs> with, with everything that's going on, I've had this discussion a number of times with, uh, so you have Moon Knight out, you have the you know, you have all these. Oh my God! How fantastic <laughs> is the latest episode of Moon Knight? Oh, it, it started slow, and I'm like, "Sweet mother of God, yet. sweet mother of God!" No was, spoilers, yes. please. Okay, yeah, we're not yeah. going to spoil. <laughs> I'm telling you here, I'll, the only spoiler I'm going to give you is uh, give yourself some time with it and bring a box of tissues. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, what they're what they're pulling off. Uh, just a quick question about: um, Are we hitting? Are we hitting glut point now? We I think that's been the talk of the conversation for a while is when is it going to, are we, is there too much coming out, um, you know, and is it coming out too rapidly and is it just by its very weight dropping the quality of what we're getting? Do you think there's any? Based on, based on the most recent episode of Moon Knight alone and a forthcoming project, uh, a projection on the forthcoming uh, Doctor Strange, which we're going to have in a week. Mm -hmm. I, I say it's in the, you know, it's how it's handled. Yeah. Basically, you're finding something new to do with that material. If it's not just like, he's a good guy, he's a bad guy, and they're fighting, or he's an anti-hero, and he's against establishment, and they're fighting. We just had Morbius come out, you know, and uh, the internet has dubbed it Monthbius. There's a podcast whose name escapes me that says we're still in the midst of Monthbius. Um, <laughs> Morbius came out, and, you know, people were like, meh. Like, nobody really cared. The Batman came out before, and people were like, yeah. Now, what's the difference? Many differences between the characters and stuff, but Morbius is a brand-new story nobody's heard, and the Batman is an old story that we all know, including villains that have done before, that have been done before. The difference is how the material is handled. Matt Reeves, you know, elevated the Batman into something where people are like, yeah, this is this is a well-thought-out story, and, and, and uh, a take on the character that even though it's familiar, it's brand-new to me. Whereas Morbius was a brand new character with a brand new take, but the way it was handled, I guess people didn't go for right, it. So right. I like it. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's such a thing as a glut. I think it's basically if something is well done or there's a new approach to it, and in the most recent episode of Moon Knight, it elevates the genre where you're like, look, I know what this thing was supposed to be coming into it. This is way better. Yeah. This is way deeper. The thing I thought they were going to give me. They gave me something even better. And if you could find a way to do that, then there's no such thing as too much. But not everything is going to be the latest episode of Moon Knight. You know, yeah. some things are just going to be like, he's a good guy and he's a bad guy and we're establishing the story. But this is only chapter one. And some <laughs> people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Some people are like, 
give me my own story that resolves itself. So I feel like I had an experience and you told me a complete story and you didn't just set me up for a bunch of other movies I'm now responsible for watching. Marvel didn't do that in the beginning. Marvel never announced, we're doing this, 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 and you're going to have to see everything else. What they did is they just gave us each time. They gave us something so delicious that we just kept following them. Yeah. And they slowly built something that they didn't realize they were building and they've suddenly figured out, oh, yeah, we can run this like a TV show, man, where it's like, here's a season and then here's a season finale. Or just like in comics, here's a bunch of issues and here's a big, fat, giant-sized annual that's going to tie it all together. Yeah. So as long as you're doing it well, people will, will follow. You and know? by the way... When you say bring a box of tissues, you're not saying bring a box of tissues and lotion. <laughs> you're saying it's so emotional that you're going to be crying. It, it's Marvel, so both. <laughs> it's but, true. but definitely this one, it's more uh, emotional All right. than anything else. But as a storyteller, for me, it was more celebratory because, like, at the end of it, they stuck the landing where I was like, I can't believe this is where they're taking Moon Knight. I'm here for it. Awesome. It, 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 it's a, love it it'll rock your world. Definitely. I love it. Love all right. It. Listen, Kev, we got a, we got a break because we got a, uh, a contest. We got to stay on time. But just a reminder, Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash Silver Anniversary Bash, Saturday, May 7th, so a week from tomorrow. Excellent. And Sunday as well. So Mother's Day is going to be there um, yeah. in Red Bank. And you can get tickets at smodcast.com. The whole Clerks cast is going to be there, right? Yeah, we're all taking pictures. Brian, awesome. Jeff, Marilyn, Trevor from uh, Clerks 2, played Elias, me, Jay, bunch of other cats. We take pictures with you in front of the fake quick stop in the back of Jane Soundbob's Secret Stash. And then at night, we do a show at the Atlantic Highlands Movie Theater, Freeway Q&A, which is a really fun thing. Awesome. Smod.com is where they can get tickets. Philly, it is an hour and a half drive from you. That's <laughs> yeah, close. Yep. Yes, you got to come down. Yeah. Really. All right, brother. We love you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for putting Froggy in your movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. about that. Thank you for the suggestion, man. I'm telling you, like, it, it made the movie better. It was a great suggestion, Case. I appreciate it. Excellent. All right, Kevin Smith. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. We'll see you, man. Is that? Yeah. I mean, that song's freaking real. They're going to be, uh, Casey, if you, if you missed uh, the, the uh, earlier part of the interview, uh, Kevin is putting uh, this song, 7-Eleven Nachos from Froggy and Clerks 3, <laughs> per Casey's suggestion. Pretty badass. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back in a second when we return from the B-File. Get social with Preston and Steve. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And coming soon to OnlyFans. I'm kidding. Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Steven's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic, solitaire, Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Steven's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. We were intrigued by our next guest's creation, so much so that we had to do it on our own. Yet, uh, we have facilities to cook in. So, Pagano's is a new restaurant that opened up in our building. We've yes. been restaurant-less. It's been a nightmare. For two years until 
last week. So that was nice. And, yeah. like, as soon as they move into the building, we asked them to do something for us. And they did. <laughs> we had to test it out. And they took a bag of potato chips, actually a few different bags of potato chips, and made mashed potatoes out of them. And we got inspiration from our next guest to do that. And you know what? We, we gave it. A, it was interesting and tasty. I in liked its, it. In its own way. Uh, but uh, our next guest is actually coming to, and I assume we are interrupting his vacation because he's in Cancun, Mexico <laughs> right now. You know him from his YouTube channel. Please welcome Sam, the cooking guy. Yeah. Hey, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Wonderful, Sam. How are you? I'm good, but let's let me start by saying that interesting is generally not how I hope my recipes are produced <laughs> when people make them. Uh, you know? Well, no, listen, it here's the deal. I, I enjoyed the flavor of the potato yes. mashed mashed potatoes. Uh the consistency was a bit um interesting. It was it was very I know it's potatoes, but it was like even more starchy and st- Stickier than uh, than regular mashed potatoes, I thought. Oh, look, I can't. I cannot help with some. This is like eighth hand reviewing here. Right. My recipe goes to you guys. You guys don't even make it. You put it in the hands of a brand new restaurant. We have no idea if they can even cook. It's true. And now suddenly I'm being raided by this. I don't want the audience to take this one example as a. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. And you have plenty of great examples on your, uh, yes, on your YouTube channel. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, number one, why are you in, what's going on in Cancun? What are you doing there? Oh, just a, a vacation with my uh, wife and two sister-in-laws and a husband. We tried to put together for a while now, and it's just gotten derailed for one reason or another. So just a little break because the weather in San Diego is probably 65 or 70 today, and who wants that? That's oh, freezing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you're checking in from your va- your vacation. We appreciate that. That's really, no, really look, cool. You guys reached out. I saw the comment on Twitter. You reached out, and I was honored. I'm always happy to to, to chat with uh, with new friends. Awesome. Yes. And I hope that you you call on me from time to time when you want to berate one of my recipes. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly. Well, I well, think he's he's reading it wrong. We lo- we approved. Yeah, it was we, it was. I in okay, particular, okay, okay. I yeah. in particular yeah. thought not to to go off on this too much. But uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, taking a potato chip flavors that you liked, I forget the one that was really a home run. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, listen, it, I want mashed potatoes made from t- potato chips to retain some of the potato chip flavor. And they did. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Look, years ago, b- before YouTube, I had a, a a TV show in San Diego for a whole bunch of years. And uh, we shot a show once that... Um, it was based around mashed potatoes, and then we did certain <laughs> things to them in in one of the segments. And the, the person behind the camera didn't know what my that never knew what my plan was until I started. And I said, "Okay, today we're going to start everything with these." And I reached into the pantry and I pulled out those dehydrated mashed potatoes that you guys talked about when you first uh, discussed this. And she stopped the shooting and she went, "You're you're effing kidding me!" And I went, "No, I'm not." I go, "They're potatoes, just in a slightly different form." Look. Uh, Dried uh, porcini mushrooms are one of the great finds in the world. You rehydrate those, and they're glorious. Yeah, a potato dehydrate. Come on, it's not the most sophisticated <laughs> thing to start with. So, what's the big effing deal? Right, no, you're right. Yes. Hey, listen, uh, real quick, uh, uh, Sam. You'd mentioned uh, meeting new friends, and and I'm new to your YouTube channel, and I can't wait to yeah. to delve in and find out more about it. Thank and you, so, thank not you. knowing much about you, I pick up a little <clears throat> bit of a Canadian pronunciation. Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Vancouver, You're Canada, Vancouver. West Coast, the uh, okay. prettiest part of the country, we oh, think. Stunning. Uh, Both Steve and I have been there. It's just amazingly beautiful. Absolutely. It's, a, it's not just beautiful, but it's uh, it's uh, a really cool city. It's got an amazing vibe. It's got a huge uh, uh, Asian population. 
It's got British influence from the old days. There's a, a touch of French. They all go together that make great food, interesting people. And you guys got ahead on the marijuana thing way in advance of everybody else. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> way in advance. Look, I was, I was pushing for that as a 16-year-old boy living in that city. And they just, uh, they, they didn't listen to me then. It took them a while. I'd like to think I was the forerunner in that whole process. So learning learning more about what you do, you know, I, I was watching a recipe this morning. It was from uh, one of yep. your newer videos, which was uh, uh, Italian fried rice. I make fried rice at least once a week, maybe a couple times a week. Yeah. It's, a, it's a family yeah, recipe. Yeah. It's really simple. It's nothing special, but it's something yeah. that I just love to do. And you've taken yeah. it in another direction. Is that, in a sense, what you like to do with most of your videos is taking food into a new direction? It, it, it is. I mean, sometimes sometimes we make a fairly straight-ahead things. We made uh, uh, mushroom risotto a couple weeks ago. Nothing amazing about the recipe. Apart, I mean, it's really delicious, but sometimes... The goal is really show people that they can make things often that they don't think that they can make, that they're complicated. So I think we found a, a, a really interesting niche. When cooking channels are on YouTube, they're generally one of two types, all kitchen-based, uh, you know, sandwiches and salads and breads and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Or they're sort of all outdoor barbecue based, like smoking and grilling and sort of typically like caveman. <laughs> right, right, you're and, right. And, and we've mixed the two really nicely. We do almost all of our cooking outside. I'd say 97% is outside. But things outside that, that then maybe need to go into the oven, we'll make a lasagna that you wouldn't normally make outside. But we like our outside. It's my home. We like the outside set. It looks better. The lighting's better. And you don't need to see me really put something in the oven. If I make a lasagna and I go, this needs to bake for 10 minutes, why do I have to turn around and put it in a stupid <laughs> oven? <laughs> I really don't. So we do the grilling. We're, uh, we're part live fire show, smoking, grilling, charcoal, uh, Santa Maria-style grills, that. And then we're also the side that does make the lasagna, the risottos, that kind of thing. We like to do across the board, uh, so there's a little bit for everybody. Well, you've got you've got millions of subscribers, and uh, yeah. and and there there are loads of, of of people doing different types of cooking on YouTube and other you know channels and here and there, and yeah. and they always try to go after some kind of a hook, something that grabs you. And I was surprised, and 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 I appreciated the fact that. Your presentation, or at least in the production, is very simple. It's very straight ahead. There's a, like yeah. there's no magic editing, no little music, you know, graphics and stuff. You keep it pretty simple and straight ahead, yeah. which is why I was kind of surprised you have the amount of people that subscribe because I thought maybe there'd be more of a hook. But no, I'm, I'm assuming what it comes down to is you're just making good food. It's an interesting sort of half comment, uh, half compliment, and half negative compliment. <laughs> you know, know, your show is really basic. It's like a third grader can do it, and now I'm surprised that you have almost three and a half million subscribers. I had a feeling you might take it like that. <laughs> so, look, we've been on YouTube uh, since 2011, and in 2018, we had 30,000 subscribers, middle of 2018. From the middle of 2018 to the middle of 2019, we went from 30,000 to a million. <laughs> and then the next year, another million. The next year, another million. Wow. And I think what we do, you're right. It is There is nothing fancy. I, I do think, though, the, the, the technical work, the editing is beautiful. It's as, the work for our channel is as beautiful as any TV I've ever done, for a start. Uh, it is simple, but I think... My goal is that people walk away with a, a good understanding 
So there's more talking in hours, I think, than many of them. Many of them just, it's like one cup, two cups, stir, mix, pour, bake, that kind of thing. I'll say, uh, do this, do this. And if you don't have this, let me tell you a workaround for it. Or here's why I like to do this. I, I feel like I'm a teacher. It seems silly at times, but I do feel like I'm a bit of a teacher. And I really want people to walk away saying, well, I almost yeah. swore. <laughs> <They're> all good. <laughs> uh, uh, I really want people to know that this is how they can do this. I came, I had an idea uh, in 2001 to start a travel show on TV. And the basis of it was show people that they could go to places they thought were complicated. And it wasn't, they could do it. Don't go to North Dakota again this summer. Try someplace you've never been or you've been scared of. Maybe go to Hong Kong or right. you know, Tokyo or something like that. And, uh, you know, in the 2001, sadly, 9-11 happened. That changed stuff for me. But I decided to find something else I thought I could do on TV that I could also help people learn so that they could go, oh, I can do this. And I came across, literally within a week and a half of 9-11, I came across a cooking segment on a local channel here in San Diego. The guy was making a butternut squash soup. It was September. It was fall. It was a perfect thing to do. It was the most boring, complicated <laughs> recipe I've ever seen. Mm. And as I watched that, I went, holy ass, somebody should make that better. And I went, Dad, I have nothing to do. I will try and make that better. My wife came home from work. I said, uh, I'm going to start a, a cooking show instead of a travel one. She goes, I think that's a great idea. Just one thing, honey. I go, what? She goes, you just can't cook. I go, but see, here's the genius. I'll make things so easy People will say, I can do that. No, that I'll make, be my own weakest link. Wow. That makes complete sense because I'll tell you what, yeah. as YouTube has grown over the years, and I remember clearly when the the, uh, the one video of the guy at the zoo that was the only available, and now we have, and we talk about it often, as a teaching device. Yes. Okay, yes. I'm fixing this thing in my house. You can find somebody doing that, doing it with the tools specifically that you're <laughs> using in the specific... Yeah. And so I was just raging about what you just said a, a few minutes ago. I don't need all the production. I need someone to talk to me. And, and the yeah. way you're saying about giving is sort of a lesson on how to do it. It drives me crazy when they try to get too cute with the information imparting. And I'm there and I got I got the tools out or whatever. I'm like, just show me. Yeah, yeah. Just tell show me. me how to do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people that cook in the culinary space on YouTube, a lot of them are credentialed in the sense that they've been to culinary school, you know, that kind of stuff. And I have none of that. I've never taken a cooking class. I've never been to culinary school. And I think that benefits me in the sense that I don't lean on that uh, chef terminology, the chef technique, that kind of stuff. Right. I say things that regular everyday people would say. And it resonates with them, and they can make it. And and yes, I swear a lot. I'm sort of <laughs> not normal that way. I did. A, I was on a radio program live from Calgary a, a few months ago, and in, in the middle of the thing, the guy said the S word, and I thought suddenly I went, "Oh my God, he's going to get in such trouble!" And I went, "Oh no, it's Canada. <laughs> understand that that's not a word that's going to start a war. Right, right, right." No hey, parents I, are going to write in about that. Yeah. So, so Sam, with your with your lack of of culinary experience going into this, sure, you, you're now a restaurateur, right? I mean, like, so you own yeah. three restaurants. I have three restaurants. Uh, here's the important part of that, President. I have three restaurants with partners, and they came to me and they said, "Look, we're fans, but we like what you do. Here's what we do. Do we think we could put that together?" And I said, "Yes." But I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be on the line in the back every day. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Right. Uh, when we run out of tomatoes, I'm not the guy to get them. 
right. when uh, when Susie calls in sick. I'm not the guy that has to stand up. I jump in on the line again that day. I say I have the best restaurant job in the business. I get to be the inspiration, the face, the brand, the food, the recipes. And they do their part and I do mine. And it's been a it's been a good relationship so far. I, there are so many business ventures that I wanted to get into where I'm like, can I not be the person that has to do all the stuff <laughs> and just kind of yeah. give you guys some ideas or something like that? Yeah. I've, never no, found, no. I've never found any takers on that. Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that, Preston, yeah. but it's a it's a great relationship. And I know you're kidding, but it's a rest it's a business that I said forever I would not go into on my own because here's what I know. I know I don't know the restaurant business. And even though I have a successful YouTube following and, of course, a great following in San Diego because this is where I started, I knew that I didn't know how to do that, which, unfortunately, a lot of people think it's about a dish or just a couple of recipes. Honey, your lasagna is so good, and that restaurant down the street is packed. Uh, if we had a restaurant, your lasagna is better, we'd be packed all the time. Right, 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 right. Yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that. Speaking of yeah. joking... And, I, and a listener had uh, emailed me to ask you about yeah. this, to find out about this. They wanted yes. to know, what's your beef with Guy Fieri, <laughs> and is it a joke? I, I've never met Guy Fieri. Uh, I am only jealous of his success. <laughs> and he's such a public figure. I let him... Uh, he, his shoulders are strong enough that he can handle the jabs from a little three and a half million YouTuber like me. Look, I think Guy Fieri on his show, Diners, Drivers, and Dives, though it's not my particular style, his style. Yeah. It's a bit too, too over the top for me, but I think he's really good at what he does. Right. Um, I think he brings that whole show alive. He does. He had a cooking show when he first won the Food Network star thing. He had a cooking show and he was in a kitchen and the refrigerator had a racing stripe on it. There was a pool table. They were trained to play up this whole bad boy thing. I didn't think he was very good at that because he's so over the top. That being said, no, I don't, uh, you know. Okay. Of course I'm jealous of that <laughs> success he's got. Come on. Well, who would, who would you consider your uh, your muse in the, in the culinary world? Who inspires you the most? Well, uh, I do like Jamie Oliver oh. Uh, oh, yeah. quite a lot. Uh, you know, chef. he doesn't use that na the Naked Chef title anymore, right. but... He has a very natural style. There's nothing forced about it. I like the way that he just feels like he, you feel like he's just putting stuff together. Right. And, 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 and people will say that about me. And I don't think it's that I modeled myself after him. I think this is just the style that came out, you know, once I started uh, cooking on TV. I like him and I'm old. So I remember, uh, you know, Julia Child, not really, but certainly enough of her, and a guy named uh, Dan, it was called, uh, he was called the Galloping Gourmet. I, I, we, I loved we, him. We talk about him all yeah. the time, and, Sam. And he, so he was, he, what I, he was the master sorry, of that sort of, that sort of approach. Yeah, what I liked about both of them, um, Graham Care, his name, and Julia Child, if something effed up, they went with it. <laughs> yeah. They didn't... Uh, you know, I, I read once that um, that uh, Rachel Ray in one of her shows in the early, very beginning cut herself quite, you know, quite badly. They stopped the tape. They crazy glued it, which you can do. It's 100 percent safe. Put makeup on it then rolled the tape back a little bit and then carried on like it never happened. If that happens to me. I swear, if I drop something, we leave it in. If I burn myself, we leave it in. If I can't get something out of a pan, we leave it in. And people will come up to me and they go, the thing, one of the things we like is that 
you make us feel like it's okay to make mistakes in the kitchen. Mm. It's almost more encouraging than anything else. Yeah, I can see and that. So those two, those two people had that style, and, and hey, for that, I, I, I Sam, I remember one time seeing Julia Child. She was cutting a chicken, and she cut her hand open, so like the blood was spurting <laughs> all over the place. Really, the crowd was going crazy. Right. It was. Well, that was Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. You sure that wasn't Dan Aykroyd? You know, hindsight. Listen, I, it was, speaking of the Food Network stars, Sam, does anybody, because of your, your look, does anybody think that you're Ted Allen from Chopped? Have you ever gotten mistaken? So there was a, there was a big food event in San Diego a few years ago, and um, there was this big party the night before. And I'm there, and Ted Allen's there. And somebody says, oh, let me introduce you to Ted Allen. So I walk up, they introduce me, and he goes, I have a funny story about you. I go, what? He goes, we were in a restaurant last night. We finish our dinner. We come outside. We're waiting for the car. We're on the street, and a woman comes up, and she says, oh, my God, I'm the hugest fan. Would you sign a T-shirt for me? And he goes, of course. And he goes, I'm feeling good inside. And she walks to her car. She comes back. Somehow she had, like, a plain T-shirt in her car. And he goes, I sign it for her, I hand it to her, and she's so thankful. And she's walking down the street, and she gets about two doors down, and she turns around, and she goes, this doesn't say Sam the Cooking Guy. <laughs> and he goes, I didn't know who you were, and then I asked somebody, and now I see you. And he goes, yeah, I do think we kind of look alike. Oh, so it's that's, valid. That's yeah. fantastic. It's valid, 100%. Yeah, it's, look, it's these dumb, dopey glasses that uh, I will now have to own for the rest of my life, or I won't look like them. It's your look. Don't, yeah, don't screw with what's it's working. Like, uh, I'm okay with it. I'm yeah. okay. So, Sam, you've delved into the, uh, the cheesesteak realm on the show? Yes, yes, God, and please. Oh, no, I feared this might come up. <laughs> yes, look, my my next uh, cookbook. May I show you? Yeah, yes. please. Oh. Sam, Sam the, cooking the cooking guy, guy between, between the, the buns. buns. I love it. So tacos, <laughs> hamburgers, sandwiches, burgers, and burritos. So yeah. there is a... There is a, by the way, if you pre-order this, you have a chance to win a uh, virtual cooking class, private one, just me, you, and whoever you want. Nice. Wow. So there's a, full, there's a Philly steak sandwich in here, and uh, I say, I think one of the biggest problems people make is um, they, they overcook the meat. They cut the pieces too thick. They overcook the meat. They undercook the vegetables. Okay. You want the vegetables in here, the peppers and the onions, to be ca really well caramelized. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that in two seconds in a pan. And if you cut the meat too thick, when you take a bite, you get a big hunk of meat hanging off your lip that's no longer in the bread. Yep. And it's it's tough. You can't you can't do that. It's funny you should bring By that the way. up. It's funny you bring yeah. that up because it, that, now you can use that as a Rorschach test here in, in, in Philadelphia because whatever whatever uh, place you align with can, will say a lot. You know, it's sort of like a personality profile. Uh, I yes. I tend to agree. I to me, the classic cheesesteak is thinly sliced meat, but there are people who love it the other way. And it's for the exact reason you mentioned, you pull out half the sandwich with every yeah, bite yeah, you yeah. take. Uh, but uh, it, 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 it probably exists in the pantheon of those, as with pizza. Uh, you know, it, it, whatever way works for you is the right way to make it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So before, before our YouTube uh, channel um, style now, which are episodes that are, you know, 15-ish minutes long, sometimes much less. We had a version of it. It was called the Sam Livecast. And it was part talk show, like me at a desk talking like this. We did it live, and then I'd go in the kitchen and cook something. Back in those days, Tony Luke came to San Diego. And a friend of mine said, hey, do you want to do something with him? And I said, of course. So he came to my house, and we had a 
dueling uh, Philly cheesesteak uh, cheese right. uh, competition. He did his version, which was damn good. I did my version that had a slight Asian, uh, ins- little Asian inspiration to us. I think mine was better. I'm just going to brag right out there and say that. I don't think I could ever get Tony to say that, though. And though we've only met once, I think he was a really, really, really nice guy. He's a great guy. And, yeah. He's uh, a friend of the show. It's great. So, so yes, I'll also say this for people listening. This is back to the teaching part. Thinly sliced meat cooked very quickly on a hot surface is much more forgiving in the end than big, fat, thick pieces. Yep. So if a first-timer is out there trying to make a great Philly cheesesteak, or any kind of cheesesteak, uh, slice it thin. You, you'll find you won't F it up nearly as much as those thicker thumb-sized pieces of meat. Sage Don't advice. Do yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. From a guy that never went to culinary school. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's impressive stuff. So what's, uh, what are some of the, uh, the newer things coming up that we can uh, look forward to that you're tackling uh, on, the, uh, uh, on the YouTube channel? Well, let's see. So, uh, oh, uh, we just shot the other day. I think it was really fun. We bought five Instapots, lined them all up on the kitchen counter, and we did. We started at one end. It put one thing in, one thing, one thing, one, and went back and showed how they turned out. And Instapots are great. Oh, I, I mean, so I love- a, any, any type, multi-cooker. So this will come out uh, uh, today, I think. What's okay. it? It's Monday. I think it's today's episode. I, I wanted to get a handle on, on, on what you thought about the Instapot yeah. because my wife, I got her one. It was all the rage, yeah. I think, two years ago, the Instapot, the Instapot. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and so... Um, I, I, I contend there's a lot more we can do with it, uh, but, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be lighting her fire. But you, you believe in the Instapot? Uh, I, look, in my personal life, I don't use one very often. Yeah. But then here's what we learned about the channel. It's not what I want. It's yeah. what the audience wants, right? In any business, it should be that. Um, here's what we made. Uh, in one, we made a short rib ragu in about, you know, an hour, start yeah. to finish unbelievably delicious put it on pasta we made um a shrimp chicken and sausage jambalaya dump everything in stir close the lid turn it on the rice cooker setting which the instapots do amazing we made uh macaroni and cheese a little truffle mac and cheese in one in about 10 minutes we made a ribs ribs pork ribs in oh uh half an hour in the instapot (laughs) And they took them out and put them under the broiler for five minutes. I mean, you can't do that any other way. You really can't. Yeah. And that's using the pressure cooker setting. Okay. So it, it's impressive what you can do with these things. It depends on how you like to cook. My wife and I eat pretty simply. Dinner, all our kids are grown. So dinner for us is always a big-ass salad with some protein on it. Chicken, shrimp, steak, that kind of thing. Uh, we like burgers. So I use a grill, I use uh, my stovetop, I use, uh, you know, whatever. I don't really use an Instapot a whole lot in my personal life, but... Well, yeah, because it's just you. I, I think, yeah, like to me, I guess maybe that's what the, the reticence, it's just us. It's just two people, and it's, you're, no, you're always but, making I mean, an ass load of but, stuff. Yeah, but do you make ribs? I mean, you don't... See, here's the thing that I get. People go, we, you know, uh, will you do an episode on cooking for one? Yeah. I go, yeah. Go to the store and buy one stinking steak. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go to Costco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 140 yeah. pounds of ribeye. You don't. Yeah. You can buy one 
freaking uh, potato and yeah. make mashed potatoes for just you. Yeah. Or, or F the potato and buy a bag of chips. Uh, <laughs> is that for your mashed potatoes? Make your mashed potatoes. Yes. You just brought up something that, that has bugged me about my wife for years. When we would make mashed potatoes, just the two of us before kids, she would buy five pounds of potatoes, <laughs> make up mashed potatoes. I'm like, how many potatoes can you sit down and eat? One, right? Let's just mash up two potatoes and that ought to do it. Yeah. Um, then you got it. Then what are you doing with the rest of them? My last book, uh, Leftover uh, Recipes with Intentional Leftovers, was what you do, make a chicken, and then what you do with it besides just eating chicken the same way every night. You make a giant big pile of mashed potatoes, and you got to figure out what to do. Then you're making mashed potato cakes and stuff like that, and it's uh, it's good, but, yeah, you know, you two potatoes. Two people, two potatoes. I think you'll be okay. Do you know what, what appeals to me about your approach to this? Because I do love, we, we do, uh, there's a segment that we do every week, uh, the, the uh, you know, the, uh, um, the, the connoisseur. connoisseur about yeah. uh, about cooking yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And and because so many people connect on it, everyone finds a level to connect to something. Oh. Food is yeah. always a topic of discussion. And so my wife and I, we rate things on what we call the, the reheat factor. Mm. How does it reheat? And, and I contend there are some foods that are better on the second, on the reheat than they are on the initial serving. Do you agree? Of course. Of course. Lasagna? Yeah. I think lasagna is great when it comes out of oven. I just think something magical happens when you when you reheat it. Mm. Pizza is a sticking point for me. In that book, the leftovers book, I showed how to make a pizza and then how to reheat it. I know there's a lot of people, they'll uh, dump all over me for showing how to reheat pizza. I like cold pizza, cold pizza the next morning. I have cold pizza. I can't stand it. Yep. So I say you do this. You take a nonstick pan, you put it on the heat, like medium-high heat. Then you take a slice of pizza, you put it on a plate, you put it in the microwave for about 45 seconds to a minute. It starts to get all bubbly on top. The second it, it's bubbling on top, take it out of the microwave, you slide it right into that now hot nonstick pan. It should hit the pan and go... Get a little bit of that. And now the bottom is getting crispy. The top is all hot and melty. The bottom's getting crispy. It's pretty close to how it came out of the box. No, it won't come out of the box like that. <laughs> right. Pretty much how you'd get it if you were sitting at the counter of the restaurant. Right. And they slide it right in front of you. I love it. But no, some things, you know, the, look, the microwave is good for certain things. The air fryer, on the other hand, is also very good at, uh, at warming stuff uh, back up. Yeah, no, we we, we use yeah. the air fryer all the time. A lot of this, and yeah. it's it's just fun. Again, you know, Preston yeah. does the most cooking you know, of anybody on the show, but just on a basic level, these are the this is the this, the spice of life, and to get it, to have a point of entry that you're obviously providing to your viewers, yeah. where you don't have to be uh, the, the you know the, the the stereotype of the snobbish sort of food a foodie and have this point yeah. of access, I think means a lot. That's why you're doing so as well as you are. Yeah, you know what? That term foodie. Are you a foodie? I'm a foodie. She's a foodie. I don't think she's a foodie. We yeah. don't want to come over. That's just nonsense talk. What's a foodie? A person that likes to eat food. Yeah, right. Everybody likes to eat food. Yeah. You know, um, except my mother-in-law who sees food as nourishment only. She doesn't really care how good it is. She's not a very good cook, but I do, I do adore her. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, look, I could talk food all the time, mm -hmm. all the time. When I do a, a live event, I'm in front of an audience. Whatever the reason I'm there for, at some point, always degrades into, let's talk about what you guys want to talk about. Yeah. What, what are you having trouble making? And if I can help with that, don't ask me a baking question to, to ever. Even though right now I have bagels proofing, mm -hmm. we're going to finish off the bagels when, when we're done with this. We have a show coming up, how to make uh, 
your own locks, how to make your own bagels, and uh, how to make a smoked cream cheese, which we did on an episode for that buffalo chicken dip. Mm. You have a you have a smoker? Anybody there? No, no, but I don't have a smoker. I, 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 my my neighbor used to, and man, the stuff that would come out of that is pretty awesome. So I'm telling you, uh, who's ever listening right now, you take a block of Philly cream cheese. Of course, I wouldn't mention any other one. <laughs> you put it in a little pan, cast iron pan, whatever. You make some little X's across the top. You sprinkle it with anything you want. In the, this case, we did. You can We'll watch it on YouTube for the buffalo chicken dip. We sprinkle it with barbecue seasoning. Set your smoker at 225. Leave it for two hours. It will not melt into a puddle. It definitely gets softer, but it holds its shape. At the end of two hours, you take it out, and it is life-changing. It is transformative. <laughs> it is cream cheese like you've never had before. And it was so good that when we made it, I said, damn, imagine you could put, like, everything bagel seasoning on it. And then it went, hey, if you do that with everything bagel seasoning, then we should make our own bagels, and then we should make our own lunch. <laughs> that will be coming up in, that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. That's cool. But, but yeah, so the point is, I forgot the question. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, the point is, I like to talk uh, food all the time. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. by the way, Sam, before we wrap, uh, if people find themselves yeah. in the San Diego area, what are yeah. your restaurants that we should visit? So, so they're all in Little Italy. They're all about uh, 25 uh, yards away from each other. Mm-hmm. Two are in the Little Italy food hall. One is called Samburgers. Which you can guess probably what that is, <laughs> and we love to we love doing burgers uh, on our on our channel. Uh, we have a great one coming up this week. Um, the other one's called Not Not Tacos, and Not Not Tacos because they're not Mexican tacos. Uh, not that I don't love Mexican tacos, I love Mexican food. I'm in Mexico. Yeah. Everything I've had here has been Mexican, but San Diego has so many great Mexican restaurants. I didn't need to be a guy to try and. The Jewish Canadian boy did not need to bring more Mexican tacos. <laughs> right. So there's things like Korean short rib, mashed potato, pulled pork with macaroni and cheese, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Really I love good. that. Yeah. Uh, most of them are most of them are in this book. Shameless plug. <laughs> All right. And the other one is called Gray's, G-R-A-Z-E. And Gray's like a cow would eat a little bit of this. So it's charcuterie boards and flatbreads and appetizers and salads and Bar and that kind of stuff. Well, you, you, you need Little to, Italy food hall. You need okay. to chain those up because we'd like to. Uh, yeah. they, they sound pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. So uh, just know this: the book will be coming. Some copies to you guys when it comes out. It comes oh, out in May. Nice. Thank you, man. Yep. That's awesome. And for restaurant info and food info and all this, you can go to thecookingguy.com or you go to the YouTube channel for all the stuff and. Go find my Philly versions, cheesesteak versions, and uh, all the stuff we've been talking about. It's all nice. there. Everything's there. Well, good on you, man. You're a hell of you a success. Hell of a success. Yeah, thanks, man. That's Call really on cool. me anytime to answer food questions or uh, all right. Consider or, it done. Uh, judge a debate. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and here. resume vacation. All right, man. <laughs> Thank Please you. Please bring the margaritas now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Sam, the cooking guy. Thanks, Sam. Take care, man. See you later. Oh my God. Yeah. That's uh, awesome, dude. Very conversant, very cool. No idea. Zero culinary experience at all. And just you know, followed his passion. I guess he just liked doing it. And one thing led to another. And look at him. Huge yeah. success. That's really cool. Yeah. God, God bless. Yeah. The, that you, also, you have to stick. He stuck with it. Yeah. You know, and, and again, you said finding the hook, finding the high concept. I'm not a yeah. chef. This is how I'm going to prepare it. When he, I don't know about you guys, but when he was talking about the smoker, my mouth started to water. <laughs> like I, the way that he was describing it and then the buffalo ch- uh, chicken dip and whatever the hell else, I was like, yeah, I'm in. I a lot try. of things made my mouth water. <laughs>
conversation. All right, so yeah, you can go to thecookingguy.com uh, to get all information. Just do a search on Sam the Cooking Guy on YouTube and, uh, you know, subscribe and uh, check it out and get some good ideas. We're going to take cool. a break. Be back in a second. Some bizarre file stories are what we have planned next, so stay with us. And Steve Show podcast. Wait, turn up the sound. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Ladies and gentlemen, today we honor a man who has a very <laughs> special way of speaking, of announcing his presence. Mm-hmm. And that is our boss, Bill Weston. Yeah. Today is Talk Like Bill Weston Day. And in honor of Talk Like Bill Weston, it's it's like Talk Like pi- I'm like a Pirate Day. At some yeah. point, you might I think go, it's better. Oh. You don't have to talk about it all day yeah. long. But if you do throw a little homage to Bill Weston, it's great. And in as much, we are going to do a contest called Who Said It Bestin? Talk Like Bill Weston. If you are interested in winning some great prizes and you think you do a pretty good Bill Weston impression... We are going to randomly select people to play, and we're going to text you a line that you will have to read in conjunction with someone else. So we're going to have two people reading the same Bill Weston line in their best Bill Weston impression. We will vote amongst us here. We will pick a winner, and uh, we will see if you've got what it takes to talk like the best in Bill Weston. Would you explain the origin again? Because it was yeah. simply by happenstance. Yeah, we were we, we were talking to actor Ed Begley Jr., who you know from you know Christopher Guest movies right. and all kinds of stuff, and uh, he had used the phrase "low hanging fruit." <laughs> That's one of Bill's favorite refrains. Yes, and so afterwards, Nick had said. I didn't know today was talk like Bill Weston Day. And then immediately we said, well, we have to create that now. And so, therefore, we have done it. So, April 21st is talk like Bill Weston Day. There are countless arbitrary national this and that days. There's no reason this should not be a national day. The funny thing is, is it takes place... On Dr. Mike's birthday, where we could clearly do a talk like Dr. Mike day, too. Yeah. That's all you have to yeah. do is talk like that. Well, in a weird twist, yeah. the reason why we started saying privileged was because of our association That's with Dr. Right. Mike. That's true. That's you know? weird. You know, let's, yeah, let's share the origin of that okay. for a moment, because we all have Dr. Mike is our doctor yeah. in medicine, and we were... We are talking about, I don't know, just seeing Dr. Mike or whatever, and Bill told us that we should not talk about that that often because it makes us seem um, privileged. And Because we, we go to the doctor. Because we go to the doctor. And so we thought that was hilarious. And so therefore, privilege right. became part of the vernacular. And generated a very successful line of t-shirts. Yes, it did. I think because we were saying pen medicine and it wasn't like, oh, we went to the doctor, like, because it was this big, I don't know, conglomerate, we sounded like we were privileged because we went to pen medicine. Right. It was just one of those little bill concerns. (laughs) It's okay. And so... Many of those are represented in these uh, billicisms. Yep, yep. (laughs) So, uh, that was born and then, you know, obviously low-hanging fruit, third leg of the stool and the barn door and, and all these Tommy little uncle. things. Tommy uncle. Tommy the uncle. best part is, is that Bill now gets it. He'll come in and go, I actually do talk like that. Right. <laughs> well, it's funny. He doesn't speak like that all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. But it's greeting people. Bill, Bill is it doesn't have the ability. You know how uh, if I see you, case, yo, dude, what's going on? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. that's my delivery. Hey, man, yeah. how are you? Yeah. Or good morning or whatever it may be. Bill totally. makes an entrance. He yeah. opens the door, and yeah. he usually does it like he almost kicks it open. Yeah. Like, he'll yeah. open it very big. Yeah. Uh. Morning, morning show, people! Uh-huh. <laughs> and he and he does it that way. And then he settles into more yeah. normal yeah. Casual. conversation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> morning, everyone! Yeah. <laughs> 
and it's it's great. It's yeah. hilarious. And sometimes and even he chuckles. Sometimes it starts with in our meeting. It starts with <laughs> this. Okay, and I have oh, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes in with his book with his uh, his yeah. notebook, and he'll go like this. Yeah. Oh, totally. oh, are we ready for the meeting? <laughs> like he'll slam stuff down to the desk. There's just something about, and it's great. Yeah. It's it's not mean spirit. Not at all. It's just his. He's his. And now you know. Time to get to work, people. It's it's like his yeah. indicator that we are. We're starting. We're beginning, or or a slap like that. Yeah. You know he'll he'll do some <laughs> kind of he slap. How can he slap? But anyhow, it's uh it's the. Okay. It's an endearing quality that Bill has. It's it's very funny, and we yeah. have fun with it. The thing is, it's so similar to Ted Knight, uh, and his yes, delivery is yes. very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so talk like Bill Weston Day. We're getting people on board. I don't know what they're going to say. N- Steve had written down these lines. They've been sent to him. I don't know which lines are going to be delivered to us, but I'm going to get two callers on the line. Uh, we're going to start with Steve. Hey, Steve, good morning to you. Hi. 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 All right, Steve. You're going to be going against Brian. Let me get Brian on board. Brian, are you there? All right. Hello. Hello, Brian. Hello. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. All right, so let's get started. First, we're going to have Steve read his line. Then we're going to have Brian read his line in their best Bill Weston. And then we'll take a vote amongst the five of us here in the studio and determine who our winner is. So, Steve, we're going to start with you. Give us your best Bill Weston. Religion. Not everyone has access to doctors. All right. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Brian, because it's, it's not. Yes, I'll explain after. Brian, guys. let's hear your delivery, please. Privilege. Not everyone has access to doctors. Okay. Try a different riff on it. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, Nick, who do you vote for? The first guy. And Kathy. First guy. Steve. Steve. Yep. Steve. Steve. It's you. Yeah. Sorry, Brian, we got to let you go. Steve, that was a wonderful Bill Weston, by the way. Uh, Thank you. All right, uh, we're going to get two more callers on the line in just a second. Uh, Kenny, that is there. Hey, Kenny. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How about you? Good, wonderful. Hang on. We're going to get you up against uh, Brad. Hey, Brad, are you there? Yes. All right, Brad, we're doing our best Bill Weston. It's Talk Like Bill Weston Day. So, Brad, we're going to start with you. Give us your best Bill Weston line. All right. Being local is the third leg of the stool. All right. Being local is the third leg of the stool. Kenny, let's hear your Bill Weston. For MMR, being local is the third leg of the stool. Hmm. All right. Uh, Casey, who are you going to vote for? Kenny, Brad went first. Brad did go first. I, I, I'm I, going to give the slight edge to Brad there. All right. Steve? I'm going to slight edge to Brad. How about Kathy? Brad. And Nick? Brad. Yeah, same here. Goes to Brad. Brad. Some people call her Annabelle. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is, is that Santa impersonation is almost like Bill trying to do an impersonation of himself. Yeah, a little bit, yes. Because he he starts to talk like this (laughs) with with a little bit of John Wayne. Yeah, he's doing a wonderful riff on Uh, Santa Claus, and it does sound a little John Wayne-esque. I I can't believe that Bill doesn't like that, because it's so funny. The the comedy is, like... I know it makes him cringe a little bit, but it's one of, it, it, for me, that's the shining Bill Weston yeah. moment. Yeah. That call is the best. And he just, listen, he knows, he, he thinks I'm full of crap when I say that, but I think that's a big indicator that you call up your boss and without yes. without even indicating what you wanted, he plays along. That's pretty cool. I thought so, too. You know, on top of a talk like Bill Weston day, a talk like Dr. Mike day, we could even do a talk like Gary Lauer day. If <laughs> <laughs> All 
Wow. God. Yeah. Oh, man. If that's even possible. You remember? Oh, the Gary Lauer um, prank phone call? No. No. Uh, Did you call him? Yeah, well, so we said uh, Gary, we, we had him call Gary because Gary was being oh. inappropriate, like, at an event. Oh, we had Bill call that's Gary. Right. Yeah. <gasps> Do you have that? Um, Hang on. I, I, I got to find it. But uh, yeah, And we, it was you, was it not? <laughs> it was me. Yeah, yeah. So, again, we had him... It was like a reverse prank phone call because he was the one who made the phone call. <laughs> he called uh, called the studio. Didn't realize he, he might have called the studio line. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. I, I don't follow. What happened? All right. So the prank phone call. I so we we had him <laughs> call Gary because we, we had we had Bill call Gary. Yeah. Oh, what he thought was Gary. What he thought was Gary. Oh, and it was actually Gary. So Gary's not actually involved in that. Not this. at all. Right, no. Okay. Because you, you answer the phone and you go, Bill Weston, look at what is doing. Bill yeah. Weston's on my phone or yeah. something like yeah, that. This is it right here. Okay. All right. Hang on a second here. Here we go. Hello? 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 I'm looking for Gary Lauer. This is Gary. Gary Lauer, this is Bill Weston at WMMR. Bill Weston, hey, Bill. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, settle down. We, we need to settle down. This is kind of a serious call. Oh, but Weston, I keep a, you call my phone. Well, I had to I had to chase it down from a couple different people to, to get to talk to you. I, it's about um, it's about what happened at the Preston and Steve mixer at Parks. Oh, I had such a great time last night. I forgot my teeth. I didn't have my jam. Yeah. Hey. Well, here's, here's, yeah, yeah. Hey. Not even a. And by the God. way, was he not calling the studio line? I, That's it. That's it. Because we Casey gave him the studio line, and we couldn't believe that Bill didn't Bill, recognize yeah. the studio okay. line. Let's. We're gonna do a two parter on yeah. that. Yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna come back. We have a contest to go <laughs> uh, and plus it'll help kill some time yeah, yeah. in between okay. our contestants. So uh, let me get our next callers on the line and talk like Bill Weston Day. Who said it best? And uh, I have uh, Ryan to start with. Hey Ryan, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for someone nice. to open with something like that. Uh, Keith, are you there? I'm here. All right, Keith, we're going to do Talk Like Bill Weston, Who Said It Best, and I will start with Ryan. Ryan, please give us the line that we gave you. Don't compromise show quality just because you can't see the barn door. <laughs> Pretty good. All right, Keith. that's where the barn door comes from. Keith, you got to beat that. Can you give us your line? All right, do not compromise show quality just because you can see the barn door. Mm. Wow, those are pretty good. good. Yeah. All right, let's start with Kathy. Kathy, uh, the first one to go was Ryan, and the second one was Keith. Who's it going to be? Ryan. All right, Ryan. Uh, Steve, who do you think? I, I, they were really good, but I'm going to have to say Ryan just by a little bit. All right, Casey? I agree with both of you guys. Ryan. Ryan? Right, Nick. Yeah, Ryan as well. And Ryan as well is a clean Thank you for your call, Keith. We appreciate it. But Good Ryan job. Is our winner. Oh. <laughs> All right. Here's a little bit more of uh, Casey pretending to be Gary Lauer when uh, Bill had called him to uh, talk him. I, I guess he had to chastise him a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, he, he, he acted up in a, inappropriately a little bit at the, one of the mixers. Here we go. It's about what happened at the Preston and Steve mixer at Parks. Oh, I had such a great time that night. I forgot my teeth. I didn't have my jam. Yeah. Hey. 
<laughs> well, here's 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 the problem, Gary. Oh, uh, wait, the, is there a problem? Yeah. Oh, I didn't bring my camera. I had a picture taken with Kathy Romano, no. but I didn't get a camera, and I don't have email. Can Kathy print me out a picture? Because I got a picture with her, and I got a picture with Marissa. I couldn't find Casey anywhere, but I got a picture with them, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have email. <laughs> Gary. I need you to stop talking and listen to me. <laughs> I want to hear that last part again. Gary, I need you to stop talking and listen to me. All right, we have to come back for part three. We'll, um, we'll continue with the stammering. All right, we'll go to our next two callers. Uh, we are going to have Horace. Hey, Horace, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Horace. All right, hang on. We're going to have you on board with uh, Chris. Chris, good morning, buddy. Good morning. All right. So, whoever said it best in is going to be our winner. Horace, we're going to begin with you. Give us your Bill Weston line, please. This home yokel thinks she's some kind of Susie Cream Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> this home yokel thinks he's some kind of Susie Cream Cheese. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris, let's hear yours, please. This homie yokel thinks she's some kind of Susie Cream Cheese. <laughs> All right. We need to vote. Casey? Uh, the first one. Horace. Yeah. All right, uh, Steve. Doe, Chris did a fine job. I mean, it's hard to hit that tone. I'm going to have to go with the first one. And Kathy. Horace. Yep. And Horace. Yeah. And Horace on me, too. Chris kind of ended with a question yeah. in the voice. Yeah. And therefore, not quite Bill Weston-esque. All right, a little bit more of our uh, uh, Gary yeah. Lauer uh, conversation with Bill Weston. Here we go. And I don't, I don't, I don't have email. Gary. <laughs> I need you to stop talking and listen to me. Uh, All right? Bill's trying my All right, okay. (laughs) How you behaved at the mixer is is causing problems. It was reported that you were either inebriated, high, or a combination of both. I was so high. I was so drunk. I had such a good time, man. Pause. Ready? Here it is. Wait. Is this case? <laughs> you just called the hotline. <laughs> Uh, I need your consent. Can we play this on the air? <laughs> Everything except the f***ing asshole part. Yes. That is oh, just, my God. That is wow. absolutely priceless. You know, so he's good. a good boss. He's a great boss. <laughs> he gave us some of the best audio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get our next callers on the line. We have uh, Justin, who is there. Hey, Justin, good morning. Very well done, Justin. All right, let's go next to Vinny. Vinny, are you there? My family. Yes. My family. All right, we're going to start with Justin. Justin, please give us your best Bill Weston. Despite the inclination, avoid going after low-hanging fruit. All right. (laughs) And let's see how Vinny can deliver that. Vin, go for it. Despite the inclination, avoid going after low-hanging fruit. Mm, Okay. 
This is close. Uh, I'll vote first. That was that, that was neck and neck. Yeah. But I think Justin gave it just a little bit more. So I'm going to vote for Justin. Casey? Wow. Uh, this is our first uh, dissenting vote uh, right. here. I'm going to go with Vinny on this one. His voice is a little bit deeper, which I, I um, think was a little bit more in line with the Bill Weston impersonation. Steve, what do you think? In the delivery... All right, I'm going to have to give it to delivery because that's what it's about, though though um, Vinny did a, a good job as well. I'm going to give it to Justin. All right, uh, Kath? Justin was the first guy? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Vinny could have, if he gave it a little bit more effort, yeah, he, he could have nailed but it. I'm going to go with Justin. And Nick? Well, I'm going Vinny. All right, but it's a winner, 3-2, to two, Justin. Yay! Sorry, Vin, appreciate it, but we are going to set Justin up with a prize. You should see the number of texts of people that are just dying of laughter right now, and uh, they're, they're loving the audio of Bill and Casey <laughs> absolutely eating it up. All right, let's get uh, some more callers on the line. Who said it best? And I've got uh, Chris. Hey, Chris, are you there? Hey, Chris, are you there? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right, Chris, hang on. Chris, hang on. We've got. I'm, I'm going to put him on hold because uh, he, you can hear me Talking. on a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's go to Rich. Hey, Rich, are you there? Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Rich. All right, we're going to start with you, Rich. Give us your best in Bill Weston. All right. Of all the foods invented by mankind, none is more inappropriate than soup. Ooh. <laughs> well done. All right, let's try Chris now. All right, Chris, let's... Okay. <laughs> all right, Chris, go for it. Okay. Of all the foods invented by mankind, none is more inappropriate than soup. God, All right. That was pretty close. That was pretty close. Dude. Did Rich say it's got to be yeah. me? Yeah. Rich just goes, it's got to be me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to vote for Rich. Casey? I actually, you talk about delivery. I thought Chris gave a great delivery. I'm going to go with Chris. All right, Steve. Chris did give a, a good delivery. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to go with Rich, though. All right, yeah. Kathy? Yeah, the walkie-talkie threw me off. I'm going with Rich. <laughs> and yeah. next, Rich. Rich is our winner! Yeah. Let me tell you, the, thank you, everyone's neck and neck at this point. Uh, Santa's got to go. All right, let's get another uh, pair on the line. We will go to uh, Mike first. Yo, Mike, good morning. Good morning, it. Uh, good morning, good morning it. Mike. All right, we're going to have you play against Cole. Let me get him on the line. Cole, are you there? I am. How you doing? Wonderful. All right, let's begin with Mike. We want to know who said it best in Talk Like Bill Weston. Mike, go for it. Excellent guess. Riveting banter. I give today's show a D. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cole, let's see if you can deliver that line as good or better than Mike. Go for it. Oh, excellent guess. Uh, riveting banter today. I give today's show a D. Okay. So we have Cole and Mike. Mike went first. Kathy, who you want to vote for? Ooh, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to go with Mike. All right, Nick, how about you? Yeah, they were both really good. Yeah. Um, I think Cole's just kind of petered out at the end a little yeah. bit, so I'm going to go with Mike. And Steve, you? For that exa- same reason, I'm going with Mike. And then Casey? For the, both of those reasons, I'm going to go with Mike. And I go with Mike as well. Thank you, though, Cole. We appreciate it. But Mike gets the prize. All right, I think we have three more of these that we can get away with. So let's do that right now. We're going to get uh, listener Bill on. Morning, Bill. Good morning, Preston. Oh, <laughs> nice delivery. And his name is Bill. So we got to keep that in mind. Hang on, Bill. We're going to have you go up against Alex. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Ed. All right, you both have a line in front of you. Let's see who delivers it better on Talk Like Bill Weston Day. Alex, we want you to go first. 
Uh, Kathy seems out of sorts today. She must be on her period. Oh, my God. Yes. Here, God. Yes. Oh my God. That's good, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Now we go over to Bill. Same line. Bill, go ahead. Mm, Kathy seems out of uh, Dang it. Do it again. That's all right. All right, restart. She must be on her period. Mm, all right. <laughs> this is a close one. Um, I'll start this time. Okay. Um, wow. I did like the way Bill went, hmm, at the beginning. Yeah. But I think Alex got it a little bit more closer to the mark. So I'm going to give my vote to Alex. Casey? I agree with you, Preston. All right. And Steve? I'm feeling Bill on this one, actually. All right. Yeah, yeah I like Bill, too. All right. So, Nick, oh. you're the tiebreaker. Wow. Well, I'm going to go with Bill. Bill! Oh. All right. Thank wow. you, Alex. You did a great job. I need right. you to stop talking and listen to me. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one. <laughs> it's terrific. It's so good. <laughs> I need you to stop talking and listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a clip on its own now, right? Oh, Scott, okay. All right, let's get uh, two more callers. We have uh, John. Hey, John, good morning. Hello, Preston. Good morning. (laughs) International talk like Bill Weston Day. Let me get another caller, and we have another Bill. Hey, Bill, are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right, Bill, we're going to do talk like Bill Weston Day. Who said it best in? And Bill, we are going to begin with you. Give us your Bill Weston line, please. The quickest way to sound desperate is to use the number 10. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, let's see if John can top him. John, let's have it. The quickest way to sound desperate is to use number 10. Okay. I, you know what? Mm, wow. John is a deeper voice. But I think Bill, me personally, I think Bill captured the essence a little bit more. I'm giving my vote to Bill. Nick? Bill's delivery was excellent, um, I, I, but but his high voice threw me off, so I'm going John. All right, Kathy? John's who went second, right? Yep. Yeah, John. All right, Steve? I'm going with John went second? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, you went with John? No. Yeah, I went with John because yeah. Bill had the higher voice. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. All right, Casey? Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well. sorry, Bill. You're out of there. But John oh, good. Again, really is good. a winner. You stop talking and listen to me. <laughs> guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to our final two contestants, the man of the day is here. Oh. Bill Weston, man about town. You know, I had to come in here and tell you what what a great game this is and how good you guys are at it. Uh-huh. Because I was the bill on the last call that you didn't pick. Oh, yeah, that was me. Oh, that's uh, great. Excellent that's job. Awesome. Well, you're the high you lost at your own contest. The best way to sound desperate is to use the number ten. Bill, I voted for you. Yeah. I said, I said you caught, you got the essence. And I'm so mad because I went and told Marissa, I'm like, you should get Bill on the call on, on, and to do this oh, contest. that's great. I figured you'd lead me on and I would complain about not winning the prize, no. but I, I was immediately hung up upon. Oh, and it was like, I got to walk in there and like say, hey, that was me. So you, so you kind of did a Don Knotts, right? Yeah. I was just yeah. trying to throw you off. Yeah. That was great. Hey, Bill. I need you to stop talking <laughs> and listen to me. <laughs> you remember that Gary call? Because I'd forgotten about it. I, I totally remember forgot. that was fairly early on. I'd only met Gary once yeah. Yeah. at the Camp Out for Hunger where he gave me a bullet. <laughs> no, he was, was, was handing out yeah. bullets. <laughs> was that the Plymouth meeting? 
So yeah. I didn't realize, yeah. you know, because Casey's impression was, you know, passable, yeah. but, you know, I could have hurt. I didn't know it at that point right. or recognize the right. hotline number, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, boy, was that because somebody said he was acting like an idiot. And I yeah, had to yeah. get in and met, oh, my God. Well, that's a good drop. I'm sure you're going to uh-huh. use that. We'll use that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, Casey, I know you're renaming that, but I, uh, I want to hear that that pause. Okay. The lip smack. And then the realization. Okay, you got to give me. Before we go to our, well, you know what? Let's do our last podcast, and we'll do it on the way out. One more line. We have one more. I'm going to go to uh, Mike. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Wonderful. All right, Mike, you're going to be going up against another Bill. Uh, Hey, Bill, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, Bill. We have this last matchup. It's between you and Mike. We're going to start with Mike. Mike, it's talk like Bill Weston Day. Give us your best, and go for it. Uh, Something's wrong here. Santa's got to go. Okay. We'll go next to Bill and see how he does. Bill, you give us the line. I don't know what you want from me. Santa's got to go. All right. What are we going to vote? Who are we going to vote for, Nick? Uh, They were both a little rushed, but I think that um, Bill actually did the better of the two bills. Okay, Kathy? Correct. And Steve? Yeah, yeah, there was an improv on the one performance. Casey? Casey? Come to known as, but yeah, yeah, uh, I go with Bill as well. And I will go with Bill, too. We got our winner, Mike, take the poll again, bud. Bill beat you. Let's play back just this this realization moment that Bill had when... Uh, Kate found out. He realized that Casey was was pranking him. Here we go. It was reported that you were either inebriated, <laughs> high, or a combination of both. I was so high and so drunk. I had such a good time, man. <laughs> Is this Casey? <laughs> <laughs> Oh you just called the hotline. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I need your consent. Can we play this on the air? <laughs> Everything except the toll part. Yeah. All right, thank you. I'll clean it up so you can hear it. Oh. Oh. You're such a good sport, Bill. Oh, you are. Whatever. I need you to stop talking and listen to me. Wait, Casey, you told him that Gary had done something in the mixer? Oh, Gary I had. I don't remember. Okay. Gary, Gary, Gary was just being Gary, and, and he, so he's he's you have to border collie him a little bit. I think we had whether he's handing it. out bullets okay. or, or, or whatever. But but uh, and so that was the issue. Mm. Yeah. Oh. All right, it's all for the show. Santa's got to go, right? Good show. <laughs> all right. Wait, what, wait, what grade does this segment get? Oh, I'll give it a I'll give it an A minus. There's always room for improvement. Wow. Yeah. Bill Weston, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Sandy's got to go. All right. we got to take a break. Stop talking. And feel free to talk like Bill Weston today, because that's what it's all about, folks. We're going to break, so stay with us. We'll be right back. If you like what you hear, you can see it, too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on PrestonandSteve.com. Get more from your store with Acme's Fresh Pass program and enjoy more services like unlimited free delivery on all your grocery needs. More exclusive perks like 5% off every day on your favorite O organic or open nature items across the stores and more rewards that never expire. And now enjoy a limited time offer and save up to $5 per pickup order with a Fresh Pass subscription. Start your 30-day free trial today. Visit acmemarkets.com slash Fresh Pass for program details. Service available on select areas. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. 
We are thrilled to have our next guest in the studio. He is headed for the NFL Hall of Fame this That's year. So great. Well deserved. And may I say, from my first time meeting him in person, he's a damn good looking man. <laughs> Please welcome Coach Dick Vermeer. Thank you. Good morning, Thank Coach. You. Nice to be with you. Nice to see you. I, I have to I'm gonna start right off with the way you look. You're eighty five years old, I believe. Yes, sir. I wow. only. There's no way I'll look like that. <laughs> no, way. no way. You look. You look fantastic. Well, thank you. I inherited good genes, drink good wine, and uh, I work out. Okay. There you go. All those things. Yeah, I working was, out um, is a key. Yeah. Admittedly, I, I went. I met you in the Acme Lounge. I wanted to go over and say hi and. Uh, I was very nervous. <laughs> very, very no nervous. No reason to be nervous around me, believe me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I grew up in this area. I was a, you know, an Eagles fan, season ticket holder for as long as I can remember. Um, you were the first head coach of the team that I can remember. Uh, so, yeah, so going in there, I was like, I don't say the wrong thing. So I, I just decided to not say much at all. It's probably great. <laughs> you know, what, though, though, I have to say, it's a funny thing, because when I, when I see you, I think of something that's burned in, in, the, in the minds of uh, all of us on the show, at least Preston, I know, for years when we did the camp out for hunger at the Adams Mark, yeah, we would, be, we would actually be camped in this parking lot for a week. <laughs> under the billboard with your face on yes. it. Yes. And the Venice Blue Cross. <laughs> yes. I still represent them. Yeah. Oh, there you go. We yeah. woke up every morning to a giant <laughs> dick <laughs> dip <laughs> meal uh-huh. right in front of us. Did it so. give you a headache? No. <laughs> it was a pleasant, warm smile. Yeah. We were only too happy to be there. But it absolutely you. was. Hey, congratulations on uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, the induction is in August, August I believe. Yes, okay. it is. First week in August. August 6th. The actual uh, induction day. It's at noontime this year on a Saturday. Uh, so people can hold their celebration party Saturday night. <laughs> uh, you were telling us an interesting story off air. The first person to call you when word got out about that was who? One of them was Mario Andretti. Yeah. Mario Andretti. Yeah, it wow. was a big thrill to me because you know, I grew up in a, in a garage, my dad's old garage right behind the house. He was in small-time auto racing, and uh, those kind of people were always held in very high esteem for me. And Mario Andretti has always been one of my favorite individuals. Was wow. there was there a point at which you might have veered into the world of racing yourself? Oh, that was my ambition. Yeah. yeah wow. I wanted to. I, probably for a number of reasons, but yeah, I had, in fact, I still have the old race car my dad had. I'll show it at uh, the museum on Saturday at the what, Simeon place. But a, anyway, uh, a great event. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to do initially, but a high school football coach came in there and convinced me maybe I could play college football, so I changed my mind. Wow. There we go. Where did you end up playing your, your ball? Uh, San Jose State. I, wa- I wasn't much of a player. San Jose State. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, real quick, I was at a, uh, a charity function of yours, uh, or that you were at years ago. It was probably 15 years ago, maybe even more. But uh, what you don't know <laughs> is what I know. Uh, this is at the Sheridan in Old City. Uh, you had pulled up into the uh, the carport area, and you dropped off your, it was a Porsche. I believe it was a 911 Carrera. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Two, yeah two, 2000, and, uh, let's see, 2014? Okay. Yeah. Well, you went in. And the uh, the valet did not know how to drive your car, and it was like, <laughs> just gr- I was like, oh my god, thank God he's not here, right now. Yeah. just grinding your gear, something fierce. Yeah, it was a great car. I, I, I drove it for ten years. Off did and you on. really? Okay. Yeah, when I retired for coaching and came here, it wasn't real practical for me living out in Chester County. No. I, I put thirty thousand miles on. It was a beautiful automobile. My wife bought it for me as a gift. 
Oh, really? You know, I was too cheap to buy it myself. <laughs> <laughs> she bought it for me as a gift, and I really love the car. You yeah. probably could have scared myself with it a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You're in Chester County. That's a bit of a commute yeah, uh, well, to get into the city. But, uh, you know, I lived in Bryn Mawr when I was coaching. Okay, uh, when you were coaching. Right, we moved, in actually moved into Chester County and. and uh, 1987, believe it or not. So beautiful out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know what heaven looks like, but I think I'm living there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just gorgeous. Uh, I do want to mint the, uh, mention the event. We'll, we'll chat some more. But uh, the 5th Annual Philadelphia Concours d'Elegance at the uh, Simeon Foundation Automotive Museum is this weekend. It's Friday and Saturday. We were just talking about this museum, which is phenomenal. Well, yes. Dr. Simeon had just passed just away. Passed, yeah. And uh, yeah. we were talking about this amazing collection of vehicles that are there. Um, and, and you're going to have uh, the race car that you had mentioned. What what kind of car is that? It's an old Sprint car, number we, the old Black 7. Well, okay. You know, it, it's, it uh, looks a lot better than it used to when it was a race car. <laughs> I, I restored it to show it and display it and those kind of things. And I've donated it to the Sprint Car Hall of Fame in Knoxville, Iowa, because my dad's in that Hall of Fame. So when wow. I'm finished playing with it, I'll send it there. Can you I assume it doesn't have the big... Um, right. Uh, no, no, way, no, no. It. This is built in 1926. Oh, so wow. It, there's no safety feature on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tickets are available for the event. You can get them now. We, we will uh, give some away uh, in a little bit. But when are you going to be there, Coach? What's, I'm uh, there Friday night for the gala. Okay. We'll have a little meal wine event there. And, and the people that volunteers and everything will be nice. Then Saturday from 10 to 3 o'clock is the display of the... Carol Shelby Cobras oh and, my the Viper, God. and the Viper and the people that actually promoted and made Carol Shelby Shelby Cobra cars worldwide famous are going to be there as well. Amazing. Yeah. Did I hear you say off air that some of your grapes at your vineyard were damaged in the fire last yeah, year? We, we lost all our red grapes in the 2024 fire. Mm. Yeah, they the vines did not burn. They were damaged by the smoke. Now we picked the Zinfandel and the Petite Syrah thinking they made it. About the third process with our winemakers in making that wine, they determined it was not the quality, and we had to dump it. So about $50,000 worth of grapes went. How how precarious is that? Because, you know, there's... um, the wine culture is a very, uh, I, I don't drink, and yet I'm fascinated by wine culture. I'm the vineyard to the whole thing. But the um, with with a vineyard, uh, you know, it seems like there's just a, like a plethora of things that you have to be worried about. It has to be just right, and you're constantly doing this sort of slalom. Is, is that a correct perception, or is it a little, little bit easier than we would think? No, you're right on. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right on, and it's so many variables that control the quality of the grape. Now, if you're making high-end quality wines like we do, you know, we don't make a lot, but we make it right, and it's expensive. And now we have over 470 club members, 135 here in Philadelphia. Wow. So uh, it's very delicate, very, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on it, believe me. But right. The vineyard I'm involved with, the Freddie Annie Vineyard, is a 170-acre vineyard today. My great-grandfather on the Italian side of my family owned 18 acres of it a long time ago. In fact, we still pick it. Really? But, uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot of issues. We've had forest fire problems. We've had earthquake problems. We've had flooding problems. We've had high temperature problems. The climate is gradually changing a little bit, and you really have to know what you're doing if you're going to continue to produce quality, quality wine. Right, right, right. Wow, so this goes back in your family history. Yes, my great-grandfather got a bold though I carry on the Italian side. Summer home was in Calistoga. Huh. And I was born in that home. Fortunately, my dad loved it there and turned the old barn into a garage when he was a kid and worked there until he passed. Wow. Wow. You know what I was realizing as I was having this conversation is uh, you're the same age as my father. And uh, 
my dad played uh, college football for um, uh, University of Kentucky, so yeah. Wildcats, and yeah. actually played against people like Fran Targenton and uh, oh Don, Don yeah. Shuler was an assistant him. coach uh, yeah. for him as well. Sure. And I love hearing stories about that time and that uh, stage of the game and the way it was played back then <laughs> and what a different animal it was. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. brutal. Yeah, it really was. It was 11 on 11. Yeah. Uh, he'd, he'd tell, he would tell me stories about, uh, you know, some dirty tricks that were that were used in pileups and stuff, yeah. reaching under and, like, you know, fish hooking and stuff like that in the nose. And uh, my dad played with, uh, he had broken wrists and he played with casts on. Oh, he, oh know, my gosh. It's when they played, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Ironman football. They played both. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I played both ways in college. Did you really? Poorly, but I played poorly. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did you? Uh, did you come out unscathed, or were there any injuries yeah, along know, the way? No knee injuries or anything. You wow. know, I, I, I think there are more knee injuries and all that kind of stuff today in the modern game that uh, we experienced in the earlier. I phases just think of people football. are too fast for <laughs> what bodies can handle. I, I, you know what I mean? Do you, think like that, I, do you think that's it? That's, that, 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 that's what's exacerbating the knee injuries. What, what Casey's well, saying: you know, the size of the athlete. You know, kids today grow up sitting in front of a computer. Yeah. I didn't know what one was until they went back into coaching. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Really, you know, and you, you grew up riding bicycles and doing all these activities outside. I have to think it adds to the quality of the strength and conditioning of your knees and your hips and everything around your body. But, mm. uh, you know, I, I can't prove it, but I just think also the approach... Uh, less contact and everything uh, within the practice sessions, shorter sessions and all that. I think sometimes it's defeating its own purpose because they aren't truly prepared for the tempo of the game then on Sunday. Wow. You know, just as an old man's opinion. Okay. <laughs> I apologize in advance if you get tired of talking about this subject, but I'd like to ask you about uh, January 11th, 1981, uh, the championship game against the Dallas Cowboys. My dad was in attendance that game. Uh -huh. it was a, he sat at the 40-yard uh, line. He never had good seats to any Eagles games ever, but somehow score tickets on the 40-yard <laughs> line, and he contends that the loudest he ever heard the vet was when Wilbert Montgomery scored the touchdown, the the, the winning touchdown, and, and ran for forty plus yards to to uh, score that touchdown. What are your memories of that day and, and of that run in particular? Well, I remember the run specifically because it was put in the game plan to uh, to counter everything we'd been doing from shotgun formations and shifting and all that kind of stuff. And it was very predictable. If you got in specific formations against the Cowboys, they would be in specific type of man coverages where they're all watching the wide receiver spread. When Wilbert Montgomery broke that run, the wide the corners and safeties didn't even see him. They were all in man-to-man -man situations initially. And, you know, Wilbert was here in town Thursday night with Jaworski's event. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and he looks great. You know, I made a coach out of Wilbert Montgomery when I went back into coaching because I was deeply in debt for him, for him making me look a lot smarter than I really was. But I, I remember a lot of things about that game. But maybe what doesn't get a lot of credit is how well Marion Campbell's defense played that day. John Bunning, Carl Harrison, Bill Berge, Frank LaMaster, those guys, you know, we just lost Cloud Humphrey this year, passed on. But those guys dominated the line of scrimmage. When you hold Dallas to like they did, those kids really, really played. Wow. That's amazing. We, we, go ahead, kid. I was going to ask you what your thoughts are. That You know, what sort of uh, aspects are, uh, can you in indicate that uh, makes a good coach, right? Not not a, co a coordinator. Because, I'm, you know, I was talking to, I actually got to talk to uh, Dallas Goddard and uh, Avante Maddox uh, in the offseason. I was talking to him about uh, Jonathan Gannon, who is the defensive coordinator. At, for the Eagles right now, and they're like, he's going to be a head coach one day, right? That that he just has it, and I don't know what it is. You know, there there are you know, 
countless coordinators in and around the league that you know never get that shot to be the head coach but there's for some reason there is just this this quality that that these coordinators have that make them a good head coach and I don't know if you can pinpoint what that you know what those qualities are well I think probably number one you have to be able to connect mm-hmm. with people you know if they don't trust you they don't listen to you right more so today than ever before because the kids we're coaching today weren't uh Raised like I was raised. Mom and dad right there, strict yeah. discipline. And everybody else's father had the rights to discipline you as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, don't get in trouble at school. Yeah. You know, you'd really have your butt in trouble. You know, <laughs> yeah. They're all raised differently today. So I, I think uh, you have to be better at communicating and connecting with people, earning their trust, you know. Caring about them a little bit more, baby them a little bit more. You know, no one babied me when I was growing up. <laughs> Probably you guys either. Yeah, right. You know, and today, it's. A, I think you've got to be more conscientious in regard to them as people before you really get into the details as a football player. Do you think the coach ends up these days being more a paternal figure in some cases? Uh, you know, that you have more of that the, a guidance. We we were talking to. Uh, um, you know, we've talked to a number of coaches, and, and they John Tortorella yesterday. Yeah, yeah. 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 Flyers, that, right? yeah. Did you have to be more? You have to be more that than you know, just a nuts and bolts, you know, game um, instructor and uh, coordinator. As Casey was saying, you have to be something more. You have to be a little bit more of a, of, a, of a, a guiding hand. Well, I think that's true. I think the player is more sophisticated. They come out of college in the NFL more sophisticated as right. a football player. The things you see them do in college games today as well as high school games. It's mm-hmm. amazing what they're doing with football. And I absolutely sometimes look at myself and I'm disappointed. I didn't think about some of those things that they're doing today. Right. I mean, if I'm that smart, why wasn't I doing it? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about, um, uh, uh, Preston and I, uh, about um, Greg Kinnear's depiction of you. You were consulted on the film Invincible. Not really. Uh, oh, not really? No? no, they they gave me the the manuscript to read. I read it. And I remember calling the the people, and when I actually read it uh, on an airplane trip, I was coaching the Chiefs. We were flying the West Coast. And I, I read it out and back, and I called them up. I said, "You know, there's a lot of things in this movie and this script that aren't true." Really? I said, Coach, we're not doing a documentary. Ah. We're telling a story. Yeah, and they did a good job of telling the story. Okay, they really did. Okay. Did you have there any, were a lot of things that weren't true? In it. Did you have any big issues with the movie? But no. Okay. No. No. I've only seen it once. Okay. I saw it at the. Pre- I don't like to see myself in things I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't read things that I'm been interviewed by, and I did. John Wooden told me this a long time ago, and I thought if it worked for him, it's going to work for me. Okay, <laughs> he says, "Don't read all the stuff they write about you because it's probably not all true." He said, "Don't uh, listen to all the things they say about you. It's probably not all true, and some of it's good, some of it's bad. It's all it is is the distraction." And he told me this when I took the head coaching job at UCLA. He said, "You don't need the distraction." You know, and I just kept for the, probably 80% of my career that way. That's good advice. Yeah, yeah I, agree, I agree. I do have to admit, though, outside of maybe the story in Invincible, Greg Kinnear, I think he was a good ca- a good cast as you. I think there's some similarities. Uh, in presentation. I, I think my wife would have rather had Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could work. The same thing with Kurt Warner's new movie. If you yeah. haven't seen that, that's very well done. I have and not. I've appreciated that. It's called American Underdog. Right. I appreciated that because they actually called me and talked to me about some specific conversations that I, I helped will never forget that I had with him. Mm-hmm. And they used a couple of them within the movie. So it, it added credibility hmm. to the movie for me. Right. Who played and you some, in that movie? Uh, 
Jeez, excuse me. You know, remember, I'm 85. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I already yeah. proved everything doesn't work the same, okay? <laughs> uh, with with the, the Kurt Warner story, uh, such an interesting, you know, rags to riches uh, situation. How was that when it was happening? Could you believe that he was able to perform like that out of nowhere? You know, I knew he could play. Yeah. I didn't know he could play at the level he played. Yeah. And I don't think anybody... On our staff, Mike March was a great offensive coordinator. Al Saunders, these guys, Jim Hannaford, a lot of experience. But none of us could predict he could play at the level that he played. I, I, I liken it or compare it to the great military guys, our heroes. You don't know who's going to be a, a hero. Right. Medal of Honor winner until he's in the battle. Right. You yeah, know, and you, exactly. You can't, you can't predict it. I, but he went way beyond my expectation. I know in the sport of uh, of golf, say when they when they're choosing Ryder Cup teams, I've I've heard that uh, rather than uh, you you want to get somebody who's you want to get your consistent players, but you also want to get someone who's hot because when they're hot. Who knows how long that's going to last, but when it does, it can be magic. And he seemed to have gotten hot at the right time. Well, you know, he, in the movie, they left out his very first year with the St. Louis Rams, mm. 1998, okay? Then the movie depicts him in 1999, mm -hmm. taking over, coming right out of the Arena League. He was with us a full year as the third quarterback running the scout team's offense, the opponent's offense all week. And I remember many times walking off the fields saying to myself, Either this kid can play or our defense stinks. <laughs> he would eat us alive every day yeah. running the opponent's offense. So that's why we kept him, and that's why we made him the number two quarterback in 99. And then we lost Trent Green, and we move him in, and he goes, he just... Nobody in the history of that position has ever done what he did the first six games of his career. Wow. By the way, the guy that uh, plays coach for me on that is this guy named Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Oh, That's yeah. a good Thank one. You. Mm, Thank that's you. good. Yes. He likes our wine, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, next man up, I mean, that's that's how Tom Brady got his start. Yeah. You know? Like, right. somebody doesn't go down, he doesn't go, you know, under yeah. center. Right. And have the career. Who knows? Maybe he would have had the career that he would have, but it would have started a little bit later on. But... Um, you know, with what happened, and and I just love what happened with Kurt because even after his career, he's had like a nice long story career as far as a you know a broadcaster is concerned. No question. When he showed up at my house mm -hmm. to announce that I had made the Hall of Fame, I I knew if they were going to put a coach in, mm -hmm. I would be the coach because they determined that earlier in the year. But they've only put ten coaches in the last twenty five years, so I I knew it wasn't automatic. And when right. my wife knew they were coming. I did not. I thought it was a UPS truck coming down the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk out, and there's Kurt Warner walking through the woods in his gold jacket. Aww. I said, oh, my God. That's yeah. amazing. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Wow. And and you're being inducted as an, an Eagles coach? As an Eagle coach, yes. Okay. And do you get to make that choice, or is yes. it because it was your longest tenure? You do get yeah, to make that Yeah, I remember when they asked me. They said, now, Coach, you don't have to tell us right now because it's probably going to take you some time to think about which team you want to go in. And I said, you kidding me? I'm going in as an Eagle. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. All right, Excellent. so to that end, uh, you won as head coach with the Rams, uh, but as a fan, you got to wa watch the Eagles win the Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, which made you happier? Because there's a lot of pressure involved with, with winning as a head coach. I don't know if you get to enjoy it as much, or, or do you? Well, yeah, you do. Uh, the deep emotion was there for both. I mean, I really f felt uh, extremely well. In fact, I teared up, which I do easily. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I was watching the game with Louis Jamona. Remember him? My nephew played here. Jets, right? Yeah, and we Jets. were down in Key West, uh, staying down there out of the cold, and uh, we were watching it from there, and we both teared up. Mm. Because that was, I mean, you know, the city deserved it, 
and the whole organization deserve it. Jeffrey Lurie right on down. It's hard to get there, hard to win that football game. Well, let me ask about um, just how hard it is to coach in professional football because you, you did it with here, you know, here with the Eagles for a number of years, and then you took some time off. Yeah, you bet. Um, and uh, so I don't know, you know, why you, know, you took off like over 10 years, maybe 12 14. years. 14, 14 years. Okay. Um, I, was that to raise a family? Was that just to kind of, you know, get your head clear? And, and, and why did you come back? Well, I, I took it off to regroup emotionally. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan to be out 14 years. I knew I needed a break. Mm-hmm. Carol and I determined it. And she says, you know, he, you got to take a break. And I, I was not a good listener to the people that gave me advice, the Sid Gilmans, the Lynn Stiles, the Carl Petersons, that would tell you, Leonard Toast, you can't keep doing what you're doing the way you're doing it. And I wouldn't listen, and it caught up with me. I think probably there's more terms, uh, technical terms, for what happened to me. I used the term burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what I was even saying. Yeah. But uh, then I went out, and then uh, I went from making $75,000 a year coaching the Eagles to 150, working 14 weekends a year. No, 16 weekends a year. Broadcasting NFL games. This is stealing for a little bit. Do a little bit of research. So, well, then you weren't, yeah, so you weren't away from the game for 14 years. How much did, as far as a coach is concerned, how much did the game evolve in 14 years that you were away from coaching? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Bigger, faster, a lot more money. Uh, When I came back in, the coaches still had control of developing their team. Today, they really don't. And uh, uh, it's much tougher on a coach taking over a losing team today than when I took it over. But you took over a losing team, but then turned it into the greatest show on turf. So, like, you... there, yeah, but I could do it the way I wanted to do it. It right. wasn't controlled by a union. And, you know, a, a, let's say you take over a losing team today. You have to coach them within the time frames and the restrictions as uh, the same as the teams have been beating you all along and the reason the job's open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you, you can't... You can't say, guys, we're going to double practices. Yeah. We're going to go double days all the time. We're never going to take the pads off until we start really winning. You can't do that anymore. No. So it makes it tougher. It's more just personnel department, organization of personnel, and doing the best job you can do within the restrictions. It's it's tougher. The money does kind of turn me off to the game a bit. Uh, hearing the numbers being thrown around just are so astronomical to me. I'm not I'm not a, as, I mean, these guys are, are big yeah. football fans right here, Casey. And I was Jen. just talking about this, though, the other day, Press. The, 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 I don't, as I don't bristle at it because these players and, and coaches are not going to make that money if the owners are not oh, making no. that money, you know what I mean. I agree yeah. with you. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you sold the Denver Broncos for four point six billion dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know there are quarterbacks making more money right now than Eagle, than Leonard Toast paid to buy the Eagles. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> right, uh, yearly. Okay, yeah. so I like the percentage of money going to the players. You know, now I started the league in nineteen sixty nine, so I know some guys that are that have some years on them. I'm flying to see one tomorrow in Lexington. Kentucky, my center, Guy Morris. And now he missed one game in seven seasons. Whew. And he's got some real issues. These guys pay a price mm. yeah. to pay, play this game. That's and, the consideration. And, yeah, yeah, they didn't get... Some guys had summer jobs, in off-season oh jobs, you know, to meet requirements yeah. and, to financially. So I'm all for making all the money they can make. Well, especially and, in football. Yeah. Like, the the, um, the average football career is not that long. You know, it, it, it's not the same as... You know, and and also the, the money's not there to spread around because the rosters are so big, right? You take a basketball team, you know, you got like a, what, a 12-man roster or something yeah. like that. 
Football's 53-plus, you know, yeah. uh, people that don't practice, squad. practice squads and stuff like that. So, you know, the the it's it's harder to make that money go around, right? So, Well, they, they have enough to spread it out pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you pay the quarterback make a little... $40 million a year to play. Yeah. Yeah. It occurred to me yeah. not that long ago that the owners in the NFL, uh, owners of any uh, professional sports franchise, that's not the only thing that they do. And in a lot of respects, like, they, these are um, almost like... Uh, fun projects, side projects for them, right? They make their money elsewhere, and then they buy an NFL franchise, uh, but they've built their empire and their fortune doing something other than being an owner in the NFL. And chances are there's no place else they could put their money that would continue to grow in value than an NFL football team. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. You just stop. Just think of the progression of the sales of the Philadelphia Eagles over the years. Yeah, yeah. Leonard Toast buys it for, what, 16, sells it for 65. I think the next, uh, Norman Brayman, somewhere around 200. Then Jeffrey Lurie. And, that, and now you couldn't buy the Eagles for $4.5 billion. No. It's insane. It's a good investment it's if you can afford it. Yeah. So yeah. it's a good investment. Yeah. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, there are teams like Jeffrey and others that really love the game. Right. Yeah, you know, there are the people that buy it for the business reasons, yeah. you know, rather than Football reasons. Is it right. similar to owning a uh, you know a vineyard because of this? All oh, they have all these plethora of yeah. headings, but you love it. I should have bought vineyard a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, really. Now it's three hundred thousand dollars an acre. Oh wow! And up. And wow. up. Well, you're and seeing up. you're seeing more celebrities getting into oh, yeah. uh, not just vineyards, but uh, distilleries and and, and the world of, of alcohol and and making a, 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 a mint at it. Yeah. yeah, just in the Napa Valley alone. Yeah, see people coming into the Napa Valley. Uh, to get involved with a second career, you know, they buy a vineyard, get involved with a winery, get the whole thing going on there in it. You know, it's a good way to start out with a big fortune and, and make it a small fortune, but they don't care. They've already right. made the money. I, I know one very personal friend that sold his winery, home, and vineyard to two executives from Apple. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. They want to do the, the last third of their <laughs> life. You know, it's sort of a uh, it's a side a cottage industry basically for yeah. them. Yeah. Where is your vineyard? In Calistoga, the Napa Valley. I wish okay. I owned it. I don't. Uh, okay. But uh, Freddie Annie family owns it. Right. But uh, I've been involved with it all my life. Now you have this uh, garage uh, Cabernet, I believe. Well, someone nicknamed it. No, we make three Cabernets. Okay. But about 125 cases of each. It's expensive. It's 150 dollars a bottle. Wow. How many gets... cases did you bring for us this morning? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm almost out of it in my own what? home. Really? Yeah. That's we're we're out right? of our Sauvignon Blanc already. But uh, we, this year we'll bottle about 1,800 cases. Normally we're over 2,000 cases a year. Okay. You know, but. You know, only 4% of the grapes picked in California come from the Napa Valley. Really? Yeah. That's why it's more expensive. It's more exact, uh, great terroir and climate temperature compared to the great French areas. Okay. So it's very, very specific to its region as yes, far as what is. you get. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to wow. uh, to ask you, because at the event, which is the 5th Annual Philadelphia Concourse to Elegance at the Simeon Foundation Automotive Museum, that's a long title, yeah. uh, you're yeah. going to have uh, former employees, Carol Shelby's early employees. Peter Brock, yes, and Chuck Cantwell. They're the people that really uh, made the Cobra a, a national, worldwide name on the track and to the just everyday customer that could afford one. There's a few. We're going to have a number of them there. It's by invitation only. Did you know yeah. Carol Shelby? Did you? No, I did not, yeah. but I love the movie. Oh, you saw the Ford versus Ferrari. Very well done. Oh, my God, God is that amazing. Well, and the documentary on him yeah. uh, on Netflix is very, very good, too. Okay. Yeah. I definitely have to say, I haven't seen the documentary. No, I've seen Ford versus Ferrari, though. I love it. And as you were saying uh, off air, this... 
This museum, and we talked about it last week because uh, Dr. Simeone had passed away, but it is one of the best-kept secrets in this area. Oh, it is unbelievable. It's a yeah. little hard to find. It's, a little, it's 6825 Norwich Drive over in that airport area, mm-hmm. but it is really something. It's, it's considered one of the finest auto museums of its type in the world. They have uh, such a collection of very unique cars, one Rare. of the kinds that'll just blow your mind, And it's, but it's also set up to accommodate events like this. Wonderfully. So there, it, it, you're going to have a fantastic time. Yes. Excellent. Uh, Coach, it's a pleasure. Thank hey, you so my much pleasure. for coming Thank by Thank you for today. the opportunity. And congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. Thank sure. you. Thank you. Coach Thank Dick, you Dick Vermeer, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We will come back in just a moment. Make sure you stay with us more on the show. Wait, what's say? Where was that place Preston and Steve said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh... Don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. And that is until the internet breaks and then we've got bigger problems. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre File. And this edition of the Bizarre Files... Is brought to you by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. This year, invest in yourself and your future at CSB Media Arts Center in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Broadcast media training in months, not years. Schedule your tour today. Visit GoCSB.com. We'll start with this story. An escaped bull went running through the streets of an Israeli city before wandering into a bank and charging through the hallways of the building. A video captured a bank Lumi, uh, Lumi, or Lumi, I guess is how you say this, bank Lumi in the city of Lodge shows the bull running through the hallways of the building Monday morning while a group of employees chase after it and attempt to get a lasso around its neck. <laughs> wow. Rep- representatives said a city-employed veterinarian was summoned to the scene and shot the bull with a tranquilizer dart once it was back outside the building. Was it simply a representative for Merrill Lynch? Maybe it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. And they had some investment opportunities. <laughs> Uh, the bull was safely returned to its owner. Officials said that no injuries were reported during the incident and no serious damage was caused to the building. I've had a, actually, I've stumbled across a, several bull stories. I'll have one for you tomorrow as well. A St. Petersburg man was arrested after exposing himself at a Taco Bell late Saturday night. This is my penis. The St. Petersburg Police Department said that Christopher Verstraten crawled through the drive through window of Taco Bell all while completely naked. How do you run a risk with that? That's, uh, yeah. Things can get caught. That's a tight squeeze Absolutely. Uh, police said the suspect then began lying on the kitchen floor, refusing to leave. Mm, this is so cool down here. Uh, Verstraten was arrested shortly after on a charge of exposure of sexual organs. And there's taco fixings all over the place. All right, I love this story. At the end of May, U.S. Navy amphibious transport dock USS Arlington arrived in a Greek city. Now, I'm going to try to pronounce this. All right. There's a lot of letters in, in Greek cities. Give it your best. Alexandropoli. Alex, okay. Alexandropoli uh, for a port call. Now, they come port calls when they come in. They, yep. they stay there for a little bit, and then they leave. So the 1,500 officers and enlisted Marines... Aboard the ship, spent three days in the northeastern Greek city, and during their stay, they reportedly ate all of the entire city's eggs. What? Wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah. They ate all of Alexander Pulley's eggs. 
Uh, Giorgios Alavantas, a restaurant owner, said 6,000 to 7,000 eggs were eaten during one day of the visit. In other words, he said, we don't have eggs. We don't have eggs. He said, I serve six. Nothing! <laughs> I have 16 different types of meat at my restaurant, and they tried them all. That's one damn egg. The visit by sailors and marines comes amid expanding cooperation between the U.S. and Greek militaries. But I thought wow, the got... that they cleaned an entire city out of all their eggs. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I wonder what dishes they were having. Were they just having straight up eggs? Oh, no. Are there any uh, Greek dishes that are egg-centric? I assume. Egg-centric. Egg-centric. I mean, a lot of their dishes, I feel like, have eggs in them, but I don't okay. know if it's... Yeah. Okay. Uh, Spanakopita? The two top officials of Hungary's meteorological service were fired Monday after an inaccurate rain forecast prompted the postponement of a fireworks display on the country's most important national holiday. I didn't know you could fire them. So they fired them. Uh, the firings of the head Get out! and deputy head of the National Meteorological Service prompted accusations of political interference from Hungary's from Hungary's nationalist government. Wow! Uh, the annual St. Stephen's Day fireworks show along the Danube River in Budapest, billed as the largest display in Europe, was called off Saturday afternoon because the forecast said extreme weather was likely around the 9 p.m. start time. But by evening, the storms had not materialized in the capital. But the show, which typically draws more than a million spectators, already had been rescheduled for the next week due to safety concerns. The fire weather chief, uh, Cornelia Radix, had served in her post since 2013, and her deputy, Gulia Horvath, uh, since 2016. While the minister did not provide a reason doesn't look good, Gulia. for the dismissals, the meteorological service had received harsh criticism in Hungary's government-aligned media, which charged that the service's gravel, gravely wrong forecast had caused a needless postponement of the fireworks display. So they fired them for that. On the plus side, we have loads of eggs. We did not. Stop by Greece. <laughs> All right, so uh, in France, after a 25-minute video showing inmates at the Fresnes prison competing in go-karting <laughs> and other tasks in the prison courtyard surfaced on YouTube. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. I was just thinking that. I'm like, I want to go to French jail. A political controversy broke out. The jail competitions were known as the uh, Colantes, a parody of the French reality TV program Les Adventurers de Colanta. Prison activities. Which used the survivor <laughs> model. And the inmates of the second largest French jail are seen uh, indulging in reality television themed games, including go-karting. And the justice ministry is being oppressed to explain why. Uh, All right. Rapists over here. Murderers over here. Oh, my God. Uh, it's like shirts and <laughs> yeah, skins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, Eric Dupont. I've done both. Where do I go? Eric Dupont Moretti, the minister of justice, called the movie, the film shocking. And he reportedly had his ministry communications division approve the project and watch the movie before it aired to make sure that there were no security issues. Nevertheless, he reportedly ordered an internal investigation and described the movie as shocking. Shockingly good? Uh, the fight against reoffending involves rehabilitating prisoners, but certainly doesn't involve go-karting, he well, said. Well, that's something that the prison system has never tried, is, is to train convicts to become reality show contestants. Yeah, you never know. Might I mean, you try to teach them a trade, but how many license plates can you make? It could be a skill to use lo- right? on the other side, yeah. All right, and then finally, we'll end with this one. On Friday afternoon, a disgruntled customer was arrested after throw, uh, throwing what law enforcement officials described as a temper tantrum in a smoothie shop near Fredericksburg, Virginia. 
Well, smoothie shops are one of the most killed places you can find. I agree. I would be not, I would be completely gruntled. Thirty-three year old Kiona Lewis. Uh, was unhappy with the smoothie she received at the Tropical Smoothie Cafe. It's a bit too smooth. And threatened to beat the employees who had served it to her. I'm going to murder every one of you. <laughs> Lewis allegedly continued by screaming at other staff in the store, going Not behind, mango! behind the counter and shoving an employee before being pulled away by a companion. And before leaving the store, yeah. Lewis swiped four smoothies from the counter across the floor and no. tossed 14 snickerdoodle cookies into the trash. Oh, man. Now, that's just And people talked about Charles Manson. No employees were injured during the incident. You remember that place? I forget where it was. This place of Maniac. I think it was called World Peace or something like that. You go in and you get one of those smoothies, you know, when you make them yourself. It's like 100 bucks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just way overpriced. Debbie's located in Rest Lewis in a parking lot nearby, and she'd been charged with assault and battery as well as destruction of property for going crazy in the smoothie shop. And that's what I have in the bizarre file for you. Yes, Gaff? I just want to go back to the Greek thing for a second. <laughs> uh, you looked at me, um, I think, because uh, my sister-in-law is Greek, so I often have a lot of Greek food. You and you've know. been there, right? Uh, I have not been to Greece. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, you always correct me on Greek city. I only know because my sister-in-law. She yeah. she's okay. Greek. She has a house over there. She you know lived there, and so I eat Greek food. But I feel like sometimes you ask you know about Greek eggs. Sometimes I think they just put Greek in front of it. Like I was like one day I was over her house. I was like, what is that? She's like, oh, it's Greek coffee. I'm like. Okay. It's coffee. It's coffee. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. There, I think there is some little thing to it, but like I could easily see her be like, well, no, this is Greek eggs. I will tell you what That's I Greek love. Chicken. I love Greek pizza, which is like if you go if you go to um, like a Mystic Pizza, the, the famous movie, the, the pizza they serve there is Greek style pizza. Here, Nick found a uh, Greek dish called Staka Miyayaga. Yeah. And uh, that's. The, the main ingredient is Sakamiyaka. And that's number two on this list yeah, or whatever this list is. And number two, Sakamiyaka. This is the most popular egg dishes in Greece. Number one, the omelet. Oh, See, you know, oh, it's Greek omelet. Yeah. 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 Oh, Greek omelet. Yeah. 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 There you go. It's just an omelet. It's just an omelet. That's Greek toast. Well, also, Casey, red onion, which is you find in a lot of Greek food. Yeah. Red onion. Yum. Got that out of the way for today. Red onion. Yum. Okay. We all up to speed on Greek eggs? Yeah. All right. We fixed it. Now. We'll be right back. Get social with Preston and Steve. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Stephen's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic, solitaire, Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Stephen's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Uh, hey, one of the things we failed to mention in our recap of the MMRBQ was the absence of one of the staff members of WMMR. And it's only the one person who is most excited to be there out of yeah. everyone. Like, like completely. she lives for this whole thing. Yeah. And it was Sarah Parker. Sarah couldn't make it to the event. It's like the queen 
getting the squirts on her golden jubilee. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like just like that. I mean, the, the the amount of and work and time and all the stuff that's put into it. And impressed, and it wasn't like it was found out a few. It was found out hours before. Yeah, like that day. Yeah, and Sarah's doing a lot of stuff too. She's the the music director. Yeah, WMMR. So she got a lot of work to do on a day like that. So, and the difference is also so if you get like uh, you know go so if you have that and that gets backstage, whereas okay you get it and you'd miss a few days. Maybe if you work at a you know H and R Block or whatever. If you're doing what she would be required to do and a band got it, you could kill a tour. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how Jackson found out that she had COVID? No. Okay. So Jackson's son had COVID uh, like a couple of weeks ago. And so Jackson took a picture of the positive COVID test. He's yeah. like, I'm hanging on to this. And he sent Sarah the picture on Saturday morning saying, dude, this sucks. I can't make it. And then she got back to him and she goes, oh, my God, me too. Oh, and he no. was like, oh, no. He's like, I'm just kidding. Oh, He's like, this, Jesus. yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Man. I, I was like devastated. Now, they, they did a FaceTime, I think. Did Sydney do the yeah. uh, okay. FaceTime so Sarah could see the audience and do a little exchange? But that just blows yeah. when you yeah. are... And it's not like, again, if you found out in advance, you've got to make peace with it. But you're, everything is there. You're in the mood. You're, you're jazzed. You're ready to go. She's our music director. Boom. You know, she, she has been in contact with these bands and the management and the record label and, and you know, has yeah. been, you know, dotting all the I's and crossing all these T's for, for months and months leading up to this. Not to mention that she's a huge fan as well. Oh, okay. God, yeah, yeah. She's the biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that led us to maybe the conversation uh, of... Uh, my big moment was about to happen, and boom, like that day, mm. you find out you can't do it. Yeah. You can't go. Or or the one that everybody's depending on you to be a yeah. part of uh-huh. or to be in charge of, and you can't do it. Casey, and you can feel free to call and share your stories if you like, 215-263-WMMR. Not just something you were looking forward to, something important, something yeah. really big. And uh, Casey had said that this happened last year Yeah, uh, with Marcus. Yeah, so Marcus does the ACS Bikeathon, and uh, and I'm acutely aware of what goes into that because I do the Tour to Shore, I do the Bend to the Shore, all, and so, all year long. And so it, it is, you know, it, it's a you attack it on so many different fronts. One, it is a fundraiser, right. and you spend months and months, you know, fundraising, right? But you also, it, it is a it's a physical thing that you have to do. So for months and months, you lead up and you train to to do this this uh, ride. He got a stomach bug. So the, his ride's on a Sunday. He got a stomach bug that hit him hard on Friday night. Jeez. And so you talk about somebody who, so, you know, he's, in, you know, he has a team of hundreds of people yeah. and, and he couldn't do it. And, and I just, my heart went out to him because I found this out, I guess maybe on, on Saturday before that he wasn't right. able to do it. I was like, oh. Is this a, I mean, that's it's it. A, it's a year-long endeavor for him. Yeah. What do you do? Much smaller version of that, but two weeks ago, I got COVID, and I yeah. had an event on Sunday. It was a charity event. Oh, yeah. and I, uh, Casey, I had been planning for a year for it, but I'd been putting a decent amount of work into it for a couple of weeks, uh, or, you know, a couple of months, and uh, and then I got COVID, and, uh, you know, you have to ask can it, and it's just like... It's a, it's a weird dynamic because you, you don't want to get anybody else sick. You know, Sarah did the right thing, but you 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 know you're missing out on something Mother that you really want to be a part of that's bigger than you. Well, oh. think, think about what I think about in terms, and a friend of mine actually had um, her wedding. Uh, I remember it got deathly ill, oh, wow. and they had to postpone oh, no. the freaking wedding. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do you do? The union last year in the championship match. 
I mean, it was oh, the right. championship, and how many guys like ended six up? Six or seven guys. Yeah, had, yeah I mean, oh. that sucks. <laughs> I, uh, last year at the camp out for hunger, I, I should have left. Yeah. <laughs> I should have left. Uh-huh. But, but I was looking around and I'm like, man, they set up all this crap right. down here. There's all these people working down here. And you weren't, you didn't test positive for COVID. You just no, had, you just had just your gut stirred up. Insanely <laughs> sick. And I was just, it was thick. Thick. I should have let Calper take over. Yeah. Just a thick. He could have, he could have been. okay? I can fill in for you. I'm not sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, my God. Didn't you and take a nap on the riser at one point? I did. Yeah. I laid down in between segments and laid on the floor. God. Man, I was, oh, it was horrible. It feels good, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dr. Galper. Dr. Galper. <laughs> I got take two excedrins that call me in the morning. <laughs> if he was a dentist, he'd be a DDS. Yes. <laughs> Suck on this. Surgeon. You want to rinse? Uh, let me go to uh, let me go to Julie. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, Julie? So May seventh that week, my older son starts to feel a little bit yucky. I'm like, oh man, you know, my brother's wedding's that Saturday. We're all like prepping for it. I go in all the tux rentals. They get everything. That morning on Friday, I test positive for COVID. Oh, no. It's like, you missed this whole wedding. Oh. I missed the wedding. I went to all the other crap, the bridal shower. Yeah. The, you you know, did all the grunt work and didn't get the payoff. Oh, man. Exactly. I missed the biggest thing. So, yeah. And I had the ugliest bridesmaid dress ever. And yeah. now it's just crap. In my closet. Yeah, you never got to do anything with it at all. Oh, that sucks. Sorry, (laughs) thanks, Julie. It's not quite the same, but years ago when you guys got the invite, Preston, we were all invited to Bam's um, wedding. Yeah. And I, I I got my... My bowels opened up in in legendary ways. I did not attend. You got to see Iggy Pop as a wedding band Band, performer, and I I missed it. Uh, Listen to this one. I like this one. It says, I crap my pants at my confirmation ceremony at my church. Oh, God, man. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. I heard them calling my name to come (laughs) forth while in the bathroom. (laughs) I stayed in there for the whole ceremony and missed it. (laughs) I was so embarrassed, and I had worked all year year on it. That's yeah. exactly what we're talking about. So they, they had put in all that work oh to get ready God. for it, and then boom. Your magical day. Yeah, Or missing graduation. It. Yeah, I was missing thinking about graduation. that now, because yeah. that's, that's happening now, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that are listening that, that had missed their graduation, and that's something that you have been working on for Forever. years and years and years. Yeah. yeah. That's supposed, supposedly your big day. My friend Randy uh, missed his graduation on purpose. Uh, and there's a long, complicated story behind it. But uh, Underwater hot dogs? Uh, no, uh, no. He passed out in an area where he uh, he didn't realize where he was <laughs> okay. and couldn't get out of the area. He he saw a door and he went crawling for it. And he was like, no, I can't go out that door. That's going to take me out to the roof. It was just the door back into the, the hallway. Anyway... Uh, he's that was very. It was, there, there's a whole backstory yeah. to it. Yeah, right. It is bizarre, Steve. But the the bottom line is, he missed a graduation ceremony. His parents are there, and they they call his oh, full name. His parents are waiting for him to Wait, go up. He's not oh, there, and, he, oh and they, they go his full name oh, no. in absentia. And he missed it, and it was it sucked. I Julie mean, Jerkoff. Yeah, exactly. uh, uh, wow. Yeah. So they have no idea. No idea. So what 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 was their first assumption that? Oh, hey, everybody was. Uh, <laughs> A little terrified. His parents were terrified. Sure. Like they didn't like something must have happened yeah. to him. Turns out he was just passed out in the attic. Yeah. 
Julie Jerkoff. <laughs> Forgive me, Kirkoff. Forgive you know me. Um, there was a, so our senior prom. There was a, <laughs> and I never got the story as to there was a girl waiting for her prom date to pick her up, and uh, he never came. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and still here we are. Uh, however many years later, we never found out what happened. But it was like scary. Like the dude was just was just went missing. So did he go to the same school? Yeah. And nobody did. They, did you see she him afterwards? An, she was an underclassman. Yeah. He was. Has he, anyone seen Jeff Epstein? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did so so. But afterwards, nobody asked him. It was like, hey, did you hear? You know, so and so never showed up to pick the other so and so. Tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. Yeah. Um. And I never, ever, ever got the story as to well, what could have been something there. serious. That's what we just sort of figured. Right, it was yeah. almost like a gross point blank where the dude just, you know, ended up, uh, you know, joining the army, becoming a mercenary. It was something along those lines. <laughs> Do you want to find out if anybody yeah, you knows know the answer? Who was it? That? Uh, I don't want to say names. Oh, okay. Oh, I, th- I, thought meant, I thought you meant putting it on. I, I, I meant putting it on the radio. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate with some of my okay. friends. You and okay. Keith Morris in a date line. <laughs> Here's a text. says, I was 15 years old. I had a call up from the under-16 women's national Olympic team. They didn't say what sport here. Oh, no. And the night before, I was outside with my friends, and I tripped off the curb, <gasps> broke my ankle, oh. and never fully recovered. Oh, my God. That's awful. <gasps> that's terrible. How, Whoa. how do you get past that? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, let me see here. We will go to some calls. I will go to Jared. Hi, Jared. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, guys? Yo, bud. So we were talking about the fact that uh, Sarah missed the MMRBQ, and she found out she was positive that morning or that day, and it was the last second. What about you? What kind of story do you have? So I um, I do theater, and I work with a theater company called Forgotten Lore Theater, and they're a professional company, and we had been working for endless amounts of time on a production that we were putting up in the Philadelphia Fringe Festival. It was a Shakespeare piece. I was playing a character called Puck. Um, it was kind of like my first big, big character I was ever given a chance to play. Uh, we're doing our final dress rehearsal the night the night before we open, uh, and we're performing outside at uh, an Arboretum out by Widener University. Um, we're doing a scene. I turn to run off from my scene, and there's a big old massive tree branch hanging low. <laughs> oh, no. Myself out. Oh, oh my God. You knocked yourself out? <laughs> knocked myself out during our final rehearsal before we were supposed to <laughs> Oh my God! The next day. So what? They would. So there was. There was no way you could pull it together, or you. Were you. There was. There was nothing I could do. But there was this one cast member of ours named Emma, who is just a whole different beast of a performer. Yeah. She had been kind of in the background in a lot of our scenes, and uh, that I was in. So she was able to kind of just pull from being in scenes and uh, take my spot and put on a help. Wow. Did, did you have a concussion from that, Jared? Yeah, I was down and out for a long time. Yeah, I had a really nasty concussion. Jared. And it lingered for a long time. So, Any chance yeah. that, that Emma planted that tree there so that you... <laughs> she was, That's five exactly years before that. she, she I'm came to plant a tree. God, it was going to happen. The long con. Wow. Oh, Thanks, the long con. Man. I have a friend who was... He was planning this trip for a, a long time to go on a hike with his brothers. And... He, uh, I mean, he spent the money to fly out to Colorado, uh, and he was like, 
like just at the at the trailhead, yeah. and he stepped on oh, a rock. Shut away. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, <laughs> right. that sounds like a fun start oh to a trip. Could have stayed local and yeah. danced to Madonna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I will go next to Scott. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Hey, Gadzooks. Good morning. Good How morning, Gadzooks, buddy. What's up, bud? So last uh, September, I planned a team building weekend for the people I work with. I'm, I'm a dog groomer, so not to be sexist, but they're all women. <laughs> okay. okay. Eight of them. Uh, we're going to go camping, and we're going to rough it, and we're going to we're there. You can't drive in; it's a hike in. It's about a mile and a half to camp. Are you guys okay? We're okay. Let's do it. Everybody gets all prepared. We spend like three months preparing for this thing. Everybody meets. I go out to East Pennsylvania to drop my kids off at my in-laws. Drive back to camp. Make it. Meet my best friend. We're there. We're pitching a tent. We're having. Okay, we're gonna cook dinner. We're gonna do this. I get a text. He's throwing up. He's sick. You have to go get him. Your son? Yeah. I get this text from my uh. wife. <laughs> Why didn't your wife go get him? Yeah. Well, she did. I said, oh. you're going to have to go get him. But my wife doesn't really deal well with emergencies and <laughs> sick situations. Okay. So I knew it. Like, And everybody knows me there. I've been working there for 30 years. They're all like, yeah, you got to go. That's not going to work. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Did you get a text message or a phone call? It was a text message. Yeah, man. that would have been like, oh, my God, I didn't have any service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we're out in the middle of nowhere, honey. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you this weekend. <laughs> That's just, by the way, I'm leaving you. <laughs> They all said that, too. Like, why don't you just ignore it? I'm like, no, man, because this weekend's going to end, and I'm going to have to walk back into that situation, and I'm going to feel so unbelievably guilty. I was like, I talked to you guys for months. I prepared you. You have your food. You like, I. They were all eaten by pumas. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. I'm telling you, probably 90% of the people listening right now are thinking. You should have just acted like you didn't. Uh, get no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Even if your kids sick, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, I got the groomers in the woods. Yeah, you'd planned this yeah. for months. Yeah, and one sick kid, you know, she could have handled that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, thank you, Scott. Appreciate it, bud. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, let me go to uh, Matt. Hi, Matt. You are on the air. Good morning. Hey, jabronis. How you doing? What's up, buddy? Cool word, by the way. <laughs> So, uh, by the way, this is a collapsed lung guy as well. Okay. Ah, nice. I think I remember so, yeah. that. So, uh, I was in I the remember airport. the collapsed lung guy. Yeah. <laughs> we got a guy. <laughs> no, go ahead. So, I was in the Air Force for a grand total of two months. I injured my back um, in the second week of training, and I was literally a day away from getting my dress blues, and I missed out on that. That, that whole ceremony? Uh, no, not not even the ceremony. It was, it was, I was just I got fitted for my dress blues. Oh, all right. And then, and then the day after that, I injured my back. And then I was put in med hold for a little while. Yeah. And then I was medically discharged. Oh man, dude, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my life. Yeah. yeah. But then you found some animal groomers in the woods who befriended you <laughs> and made you their king. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Here's a text that says, at a championship level, end of season, swim meet in North Carolina, uh, watching women's 200 fly, and halfway through the race, a girl got out of the pool, 
crying and running to the bathroom screaming, I can't hold it. <laughs> oh, no. That's in the oh, middle of the event God. that it hits you. She was probably trying her best I have to cry. before that <laughs> to not let it get in the way of her. It was like on an elite level. Well, you have to imagine that, that it was a phase yeah. six, yeah. That, that she was going to go yeah. in the pool, which yeah. would have been a disaster. All right, speaking of that, let me go to uh, Yvette. Hi, Yvette, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good, what's up, Yvette? So, I've been a fluffy girl my whole life. At 50, before 50, I go train, diet, two years, 100 pounds, running my first 5K the week after my 50th birthday. Mm -hmm. The weekend before is my birthday. We're at an event where Pretty Poison is playing, which you guys are. I know Pretty Poison, sure, yeah. Um, there are my friends from high school and my cousin, and uh, Pretty Poison goes on the stage. I jump up and down in the high heels, and my whole leg popped out of my hip. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> your leg popped out of your hip? Yeah. Jesus. And what were you, you going to be doing the next day? The next week, I was running my first 5K after <sighs> training. For two years. And wait for almost two years. Uh, I was hard training for a year. All right. How bad was the recovery? Did they have to do any kind of replacement or anything? Uh, no. They said that um, it would have been better if I broke it. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, you should have done that then. It would have been easier. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and I've never been able to get back to that level. Oh. Oh, that sucks, Yvette. Did Pretty Poison send you a tape to get well with? <laughs> hey, we're Pretty Poison. We hope you are doing well. I don't even think they knew. They She just Bastards. got on stage when it happened. Yeah. Damn. Oh. All right, well, that's, that sucks. Got, Did you at least get to hear Catch Me, I'm Falling? Excuse me? Did you at least get to hear Catch Me, I'm Falling while you are at that? No, nothing. That's all. All right. Sorry, Yvette. Thanks for the story, though. Oh, my God. Oh, that stinks. Pretty bad. You're hip, Yvette. This is pretty poison. Oh, man. Poor gal. Uh, let's see. We'll go to Damon. Hi, Damon. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yes. Uh, during, like, the whole COVID alpha stage, um, I actually caught it at the end of the – or the beginning of December uh, back in 2020 – and I, I work for FedEx where we make a lot of our, like, bonus money um, during that time of year because of Christmas. Right. So uh, I started feeling sick for the first couple of days and I had to convince my job that, look, I'm, I'm like, dry heaving pretty much snot. Sorry, Steve. No, no, it's okay. As long as I don't see it, you can talk about it. <laughs> it got to that point and um, I ended up missing out on, like, I, I, like, I had to go to the hospital. I thought I was going to end up dying. Like, I was already <sighs> making my peace because nobody knew how this thing was operating. Yeah, it was looking real grim at the beginning, yes. Yeah, so, like, um, on the the, uh, the bad side of things, I lost, like, thousands of dollars of bonus money because I could not work any of those days. Oh. It was a every year, so it was, like, a huge, like, uh, hit to my wallet. Um, positive side was I actually made it home, like, days before Christmas, so, which I thought I was going to be in the hospital for uh, Christmas because uh, turns out yeah, I developed pneumonia through uh, COVID. Mm. Oh, man. All right, well, you yeah. recovered, though, but that's uh, that's cool. But, yeah, that's uh, especially when you were counting on that bonus time. And Christmas right. morning, he got a Pretty Poison yeah. Tour T-shirt. <laughs> Thanks, David. That's the gift everybody wants. Uh, all right, got to take a break here in just a second, but yeah. I'm going to go to Gavin first. Hi, Gavin, good morning. Good morning. Sorry to bother you guys at work. Nah, I want to hear your story. What's up, dude? So my brother is, um, he's like 6'10". Uh, he was, you know, 
senior year of high school, um, a little off topic, but senior year of high school, um, everybody was D, D1 colleges were in the stands, you know, they're, they're waiting for him to come out and play first game of the year. What does he uh, play? What sport does he play? Basketball. Okay. So first, first play of the game, he goes out and he dunks the ball, two hands, he's hanging on the rim as he dunks it. And one of the other guys runs under and takes his feet out. And uh, he f- ends up kind of like going back and falling and snaps his wrist right in half. That oh. pin, pin sticking out of his wrist. Oh, my God. Oh. We, had, we had D1 you know, colleges in the stands looking to see what he was going to do this year. Oh. And it killed it all. Yeah, and he, he, was going, he ended up getting an academic scholarship. All right. He, he should have joined the equestrian team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at 6'10. Oh, that sucks. All right. Thanks, Kevin. But that was his moment. The scouts were there. They're ready to watch you. And here's boom. it. Make a break. That's uh, when it happens. Yeah. My, one of my brothers was, uh, he was a really good football player. I mean, was, you know, slated to go to college, play in co- play college ball. And, uh, yeah, he, I think he, it was his, something in his knee, one of the, CLs, uh, <laughs> and that was it for you know his entire senior year. He never played football mm. again. Oh, that sucks, man. All right, well, listen. Thanks for sharing your stories. Maybe it'll make uh, Sarah Parker feel a little bit better. But her mis- your the, your misery has made her feel better. So be, yeah. have comfort in that, uh-huh. knowing that that uh, has happened. But yeah, she had to miss the MMR with you. Can't yeah. believe it. Like the one, we were all had the same reaction. Like really, yeah. the one person right. who is more excited to be there than anybody else, uh, as far as our staff goes, and she had to miss it. So hopefully, she is on the mend and feeling better already. We'll find out. We're going to take a break, though. Stay with us. Wait, what's they? Where was that place, Preston and Steve said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh, don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. And that is until the internet breaks and then we've got bigger problems. I saw an interesting list. Uh, this is a, uh, these are unwritten, unwritten men rules that were being shared. Well, this sort of sits right in that pocket. Yeah, it was on a Reddit thread. So, like showing a guy a picture of your poop. Yeah. It's not. Breaking a man rule, to be honest. Uh, it's kind of, you it's know. It's a human decency rule. <laughs> yeah, that's all. But you know what, Kat? I won't send it to just anybody. Like, no. I won't send I don't want to talk about it anymore. We'll no, no, no. Only list. people on his Christmas list. Well, no. The the three of you on that side of the board, I won't send it to you I didn't guys. Get it. Yeah, no, uh, no, I, I would never. Yeah, yeah, but, no, you know, there no. are other guys that I will send there's it to. There's two people. There's, uh, we didn't have to put it up on the big screen in the right. studio. That was. Not necessary. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyhow. What we need is a Jumbotron picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, you send it to uh, Preston and uh, to Andy at our sister station. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she'd get a kick out of that. No, or she would not. Well, let's I find guarantee out. Let's find Andy's pretty cool, man. No. I'm sorry. Are you saying I'm not cool because I don't like a picture of his that he just sent? Of his, his turd? I want to say the S word. Yeah. You could. Right. Anyhow. If you said as a dog species. Yeah. Uh, a Shih Tzu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so men are sharing their unwritten unwritten men rules. On this okay. Reddit thread. On this Reddit thread. All right. And I would like to share some of them with you. Please. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but we, as men, nod down when we greet someone and we nod up when we meet someone that we already know. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. And I, I didn't realize that until huh. I read that. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Wait, down when what? When, when you're meeting them for the first, first time, time? Uh, and you don't know them well, uh-huh. you're like, you know, not like this. But okay. if you see, like if I saw Nick over there yeah, in, in yeah. a place I just walked in, I'd go like, what's up? Yeah, that's, oh that's what God. it means. Yeah. It means yeah. what's yeah. up. That's stop, so funny. Stop. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, that is an unwritten guy rule. Uh, here's another one. If a friend buys you a drink, you don't pay them back with money. 
you just buy the next one. Yeah. Yeah. That's anybody. That's yeah. not just guys. Thanks for the uh, drink, Bill. Here's a hand job. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. Um, <laughs> no, that was whistle. That was a $35 drink. That's 35 bucks. then. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. Yeah, uh, you Marissa handy. <laughs> Marissa, I owe you one. <laughs> that paying for things, you know, or... or Somebody does it out of the kindness of your heart. You don't. You don't go for the money back for a drink, right? I mean, yeah, no. no. No, I think that's an age thing. I wouldn't yes. even say it's yeah. a good yeah. point. When, when you're, you're younger, stop, when you're in elementary school and somebody buys you a drink, <laughs> no, but Steve, like the splitting of the check when you're in your twenties, right? You'll still itemize. kind of itemize yeah. stuff a little bit, you know. And then yeah. you, like, you reach a certain age, you're like, let's. We we're assume you have some it. more some more resource, right? right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right, here's another unwritten guy rule: it is essential that we pee away the small bit of poop on the side of the toilet bowl. <laughs> Yeah, mm. yeah. Even and if it's not yours, it or uh, or whatever, it, any, anything in the urinal is a target. It's a target. They actually to, have target target practice. target uh, urinal soaps. Yeah, which I think is brilliant. I agree. Uh, here's another unwritten man rule: don't hit another man in the balls. Just don't. No. Uh, okay. Unless. I would think it's a real pay a girl to hit him in the balls. You can do that. No, if uh, you really are like in a if you're fighting life or death and you you are afraid uh, uh, that um, you know if 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 you're fighting for your life or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. pound away, punching or kicking. Unwritten men rules. Uh, this one says beer and pizza slash barbecue is acceptable payment for helping another man work on his house or vehicle. Oh, yeah. So just buying some food or something like that. I think that is yes. That's ab- if someone's going to do. Um, you know, uh, come out and help or help you move or something like that. That's a, that's a must. What, you need what, to do. You, what if they are moving, say, weights, for yeah. example? Yeah, the gym equipment. <laughs> like a whole gym equipment. No, but I have. You seen... mean an entire gym's <laughs> worth of weights yeah. during a heat wave? Yes. How's, how's a barbecue, pal? Yeah, <laughs> but there is uh, and beer. We sell beer. So about Dwayne Wimmer from Vertex. <laughs> And, and do it? No, Dwayne is great. I, I, would, I would do it anytime. Your best friends? But we were sitting there. We could not believe it was the one day we could get into this gym to move this stuff. And we're both sitting in a Penske rental truck. Uh, which And uh, I look across, and it's one of those times in life where you remember, I, I like Preston, we were literally melting as human beings. Right? Yeah. And I looked over, and around the corner of where the gym was, was a Rita's water. Right? Oh. And then the harking, the angels sang. Yeah. We dove for the place. I'm sure, man. Yeah, the second you see that, it happens. I mean, but if you are a full-blown adult, you, at a certain point, you should just hire movers, right? Um, and yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you can if you can afford it. If, but it, sometimes you can't. And so sometimes, but I think that's an absolute, you take yeah. care of someone who's helping you out. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, it's very uh, back to the list of unwritten men rules. This one says, "Don't uh, throw a friend under the bus to impress someone ever." No. Yeah. Yeah. To don't impress throw, someone. Don't, don't throw anyone under the bus. That's not just a guy rule. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so these are guys that submitted these. By the way, I just had the bros before hose conversation with Chase. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Did he I use the quite, phrase? I didn't quite phrase oh, yeah, it that yeah. way. No, but I had to say, like, that your your friends and your friendship is much more important than. Any, any trollop. Any whore. Any strumpet. In fourth grade. All right, here's another one. Don't use the urinal next to an occupied one. Yes. That's only if there's more than two urinals. Uh, so I will if there's always two, do that. If there's two, it's okay. Aren't you surprised sometimes at a difference? So, for example, we go into our bathroom, which is the one right out the, uh, the, the, the door here from the kitchen. Um, if someone's at the urinal, I'll just walk into the stall and mm-hmm. give them the, I'm giving them space to breathe a little bit. Uh, I don't do that. 
Yeah, I, I'll, yeah, I do. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and use the urinal because if I'm just peeing, uh, will you pee on their back? Or the person um, standing there, only if they ask. Wait, so there's only two urinals? Yes, so you and have two stalls. to go next to them. No, yeah. well, I, no. I won't. I'll go into right, the right. stall. If, if you don't yeah. use the stall, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, if I walk into the bathroom and somebody's using a urinal and there are two open toilets, I'll just pee. That's probably okay. the only place that I will do that. If it's someone I don't know, mm. yes. But if I walk yeah. in and you're there, what if a lover? Or Nick is there, uh, or, you know, somebody that I know, even Bill, I'll, I'll pay Will you go him. up and ask, Preston, will you go up and stand next to them first and say, do I know you? Yes. Yeah. And then and I can make I have my to decision. determine whether or not I'm going to stand alongside you and urinate. Uh, and not including number two, how often you guys walk down the hall? Because the bathroom... The, what, the, what is called the executive yeah, suite? The bathroom to the left when you go out our, our kitchen door is much nicer. And really? Yes. I don't know why. I guess oh, they ran into that one. one. No, no, no. You, I'm thinking of the all so the way down to the all left. the way down the hall. Yeah, all the way uh, past what, what I don't forget. I forget what that business is called. Yeah. But they're not there very often. No, so mm. it's cleaner. It's nicer. Mm. The sinks are nicer. Oh, uh, Kathy, no. there's like a smoky no. glass on the door. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. No, I don't go. I don't go long. I go up. You go up. Yep. You're five floor. I go up five floor. Well, he's a smart move too because five floor is right above. is actually really nice. Three is the nicest. I don't know if you can still get in there anymore. Have you, have you uh, experienced the uh, first floor? Because that they're new. They, I they, never knew nah. there was a bathroom where, on the first where? floor. Uh, so you go down, get out the elevator, and you go right, and you go right again. It's by, back by the exit to get out to the to the back parking lot. Is this a new addition? It is. The, because like when, the they, boy band? when they renovated um, the uh, Manja, uh, I forget what yeah. it's called now. Paganos. Paganos. Um, they put in bathrooms, and they're all new. So all the Philadelphia insurance renovations, they put in new bathrooms. That's and excellent very news. Very nice. Uh, excellent news. Paganos has a a private bathroom. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. Can we get in? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wait, for the restaurant? Yeah. Was yeah. There with was so there. you go in there and you can be alone oh. and not worry about anything. And I do use that one from time to time. Right. That's where there. you play your cello. Yes. Yeah. I, I, rehearse. I rehearse down there. Yes. <laughs> All right. So other male. Tony, where's my cello? Other male rules. Uh, you can have a beer, but not if it's the last one. Uh, no. I don't. I don't drink, but right. I would. Well, I would I'm, never take the last of anything with of someone else's. Like even you if I'm by I mean? myself, no. I let it rot. <laughs> of course, who's supposed to drink the last beer? Well, you <laughs> the can, owner of it. You ask. You say, "Hey, Brett, my, if, my, you're my guest, if you're at your beer. house and you you simply have a, a one beer in the refrigerator, yeah." But the rule says it. never drink the last beer. I think that that's a you well, ask. That's no. That's a if you're in somebody else's house, I disagree. Oh. I would I would add to this. You ask first. Yes, that's what a sane person. That's the one caveat that's not, and it's an important one. I'm out. You ask before you drink it, <laughs> Nick. Of course, of course. It's mine. Come on. Did somebody eat there. my dinner too? Yeah, yeah. Who ate my groceries? Bridge. Well, I didn't know they were spoken for. Look at that thing. They were in my trunk. I'm not going to have this. I didn't even put them away yet. I didn't put them away. They're freshly from the store. Well, no one seems to be eating them. These are mine. Is anyone going to eat this dead squirrel on 76? <laughs> sit there. No one claimed it. Thank you. All right. Uh, number nine on this list is don't roast a man in front of their kid. Don't. Yes. Roast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> roasted. Roasted. Uh, yeah. That, that's that's anybody. If you, you if you have a good, relaxed relationship, like light razzing perhaps, but you never say, uh, you know, you you don't. You don't go the way you would without of the presence of of, of kids and right. kids. Yeah, you the, you you know you have to have respect for your elders and you want them to have that as well. Okay, I don't understand this, so you guys will have to explain it to me. Uh, on this list, it also says never use another man's protein shaker. Always compliment the cut. I don't know. Anybody know what that means? Uh-uh. I have no idea what that means. Does it do with butt stuff? 
If someone knows, text us. Something from the gym, I guess. Right? I, I guess so, but compliment. Never rub another man's rhubarb? Always compliment the cut. I, I'm not familiar with this at all. Somebody would know. Somebody somebody knows, so please. I uh, don't understand. Cutting of the weight? Uh, yeah, there's a uh, video he found called The Best Protein Shake for Cutting Weight. Here's one featuring Arnold. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger shares his protein shake secret. Shake it up. Men's health. Okay. Get the shake and you feel it's good with the energy and the protein and the bowel movements because it's six feet long. <laughs> <laughs> this All kind right. of thing. All right. Another the one is. And the fecal and the thing. Nick will not like this. You can have the last slice of pizza. You can have the last beer, but you cannot have both. All right, well, see, that's an amendment to the earlier rule. <laughs> it just said, no, he's it right. just said never take the last This is beer. a different guy. These are guys everything. submitting this. This is not oh, a definitive right. list from the one source. I'll hang out with this guy, but the all other right. guy is I don't think, I think you are, well, I think you're right on track. I think if you were there. Yeah, you can't have both. And you, but there were, uh, there was one beer left. You're why people, I think you'd say, is anyone drinking this? Can yeah. I have this? Right. But and then, you would simply ask. You would not take it. I don't even think you yes, asked because you then put the, uh, the dickness on the owner of the beer to say no. You you shouldn't That's even it. ask. You want to set them up. Yeah. It's I, a dick move to ask for the last beer? It, yeah, it's a dick move to put them into a position for them Somebody to may, decline you. If someone says they want it, I wouldn't think less of them for, for taking it. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, I, so, most people, the responsibility, no, you have it. Right? That's yeah. because they have to. They're, cur- they're then obligated, courtesy. even if they wanted it and they they knew that that beer was there and, and yeah. they were going to have it, they are now, because you have put them in a position... If I say no, I'm going to look like an a hole. Who are you going to be more comfortable around? Someone who asks, or someone just takes because they're afraid of me? No, you, you don't look do like an a hole. You don't. You do just either. walk away and never come back. That's so it. So that goes to the you can't have the last. You beer. move out of the country. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yep. Right, Casey's sticking to the rule. Moving to Tunisia, there yeah. was the last beer situation. I'm sure you understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another one. I like this one. It says the unspoken man up and deal with it. Real men don't cry. Bull s. Uh, is is bull ass and is. real men actually express emotions? I agree with that one hundred percent. Now there's there's um, yeah there's there's I will watch a movie and I'll tear up. Um, you know when my uh, when my baby ducklings get whooping cough. Yeah, no. I uh, I uh, yeah. I, but I, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, the, and and to to make someone think that okay is crazy. Now there, I I have been around guys who are. Uh, who is it? John Boehner, who used to tear up all the time. The uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a little too much, but yeah, I, I um, you know, I think within you should feel emotion. That's not Absolutely. something to be, to yeah. be yeah, castigated for. Hiding emotions is not manly. It'll make you explode. All right, how about this one? Stand when you shake a man's hand or a woman comes to the table. Yeah, that's polite. I do. I fouled on that yesterday. Did you notice that, Casey? What'd you do? You shook that guy's hand? Uh, I, uh, yes, and, I, shook and a woman? I stayed seated. Yeah. yeah, and I stood up. And you stood up. Yeah. Yep. And I, it's only because... Uh, and the reason being is where he was. He was behind He me. was behind you. And I reached over and did, like, one of these. Uh, no, that's so, fine. I will apologize if I don't, if I'm, like, if I don't get up and I, I extend my hand, mm-hmm. I I'm going to be lazy and, and, and shake the hand that way. It is a courtesy, especially if you're, if it's someone you know. If it's someone you're meeting the first time, you stand up. So proper 
proper etiquette, and, and I learned this when I was in uh, high school because I was uh, indoctrinated into a club called the Turtles. And Lucky. Uh, the Turtles uh, don't think dirty. What was their hit? Uh, I, I don't remember, but uh, Turtles don't think Imagine dirty. Imagine you and me. And you. <laughs> is that them? Yeah. It's got to be. The only one for me is you and you for me. So happy together. So how is the weather? Um, so anyway, yes. turtles don't think dirty, and so you have to answer like three questions in order to become a turtle. And you have to remember you don't think dirty. And so the first question is, what does a man do standing up, a woman do sitting down, and a dog do on three legs? And the non-dirty answer is shake hands. Okay. And so that's where I learned that proper etiquette. And a man is actually supposed to stand up when he shakes hands. So uh, do you shake hands with your dog? <laughs> what is the what are the other two turtle questions? I can't remember the third one, but the uh, second one is uh, what sticks out of a man's pajamas that you can hang your hat on. All right, and you can't think dirty, <laughs> so not you don't want to say an erect. Uh, never mind, an erection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what sticks out of a man's pajamas and you can hang your hat on? Mm-hmm. <sighs> sticks out of a man's pajamas. His foot. And you can. That's pretty good. That uh, is pretty that good. That is true. It's yeah. not the answer, but uh, your, your his head. nose. His head. Yeah. Your head. Yeah. Oh, sticks out. Uh, yeah. yeah. The man's were done. Okay. And you don't remember the third I one? I can't remember the third one. You're no longer a turtle. No, you, yeah, no, you can't. You. You're betcha sweet ass I am. Yeah. <laughs> if Moses lays an egg on a barn roof, one's a turtle, always a turtle? That's right. Okay. Right. That's right. Can I ask a question real quick? What, sure. Go back. What is the turtle thing? Uh so my buddy's club. my buddy's dad, he was like, you know, it, it was just we were on vacation. It was me and a whole bunch of the other guys, and it was just this fun like little thing. And I don't, uh, you know, I don't. They have a club. Is it like a? It, it's like uh, apparently it's like from maybe like the '60s or something like that. Maybe it's just like a, when the turtles were a fun sort of little. Got it. Club. Okay. You know, there's no there's no meetings. There's no dues to pay. It's their club. But if I were to say if I were to say to a guy, hey, are you a turtle? He would know what the response is if he was a turtle. Okay, that's like Cardinal Puff. You ever heard of Cardinal Puff? Once Mm. Cardinal, always a Cardinal. No. Okay. It's like a dick for him. Yeah. Uh, cardinal Puff was a, it was a drinking thing, and I don't oh. remember what you had to do in order to become a cardinal. I forgot what it was. But there's, And then there's a response or a handshake or it, something like it's that. It's a very relaxed collective of people who understand the joke, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't remember, right. to be honest. I could probably look it up and tell you in two seconds, but I'm going to move on with this, Lizzie. Okay, thank you. All right, how about this? Uh, this is the unmitten, uh, unmitten. Unwritten guidelines. <laughs> don't wear mittens. Guys, mitten. don't wear mittens. Stop wearing mittens. Uh, all right, this one says, don't start drama if drama begins. Take steps to de-escalate. If the parties involved clearly just create drama for no reason, fly, you fool, it says. So, don't start drama. Try not to exacerbate a situation. I yep. agree with that. All right, how about this? If your buddies ask how, asks how it's going, you should be able to talk about uh, the stuff that is happening instead of just saying fine. And he should be willing to do the same for you. The unspoken rule of just pretending everything is okay is why male suicide is so high. What? <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Male suicide is high. I would yeah. say this, though, also sometimes that's a rhetorical question. Mm. Yeah, and, it is. And, and you have to know yeah. when it is a rhetorical question. And when it's and not. not. launch into a dissertation on why your life isn't where you want it to be. Yes, because there are some people when you ask, yeah. how, you know, hey, how you doing? They'll tell you how yeah. they're doing. And I didn't I didn't mean it that way. I yeah. just meant, you know, <laughs> well, when I was a pleasantry. Yeah, there was a leak in the incubator. And right. 
All right, there's just two more things here on the unwritten guy rules. It says, if he's flirting with her, him, or they, we don't interrupt. Yes. <laughs> Let them work their magic. Don't yeah. try to, don't try, and definitely don't try to move in and, and one-up that person. Out-flirt them. You never, right, well. C-block, you, that's C-blocking. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, same thing. Exactly. All right, and then finally, uh, men rules. When your friend's crush is around, he is the funniest one in the group. <laughs> so that's 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 being a wingman. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? All that's right. that's kind of part of that anyhow. So, did you guys know that this turtle thing um is uh, dates back to World War II? The ancient and honorable order of turtle. Wow. No, I did not know that. So in case you have I talk about December 7th, <laughs> I'd like to talk about the turtle club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has yeah, swords yeah, and yeah, yeah. uh wow. And World War Two, and that's crazy. He, no one thought FDR would. He thought that we'd lead with the Pearl Harbor attack, but he wanted to explain what the Turtle Club is about. All right, Michael knows what the third Turtle question is. I'm going to go to him. Hey, Michael. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. What's up, buddy? Here's the third question. Okay. What's long, hard, and full of semen? A oh, submarine. Submarine. Yeah. Okay. A submarine. That yeah, was the yeah. third question. Right. Okay, interesting. All right, Michael, are you a turtle? You bet your sweet ass I am. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. <laughs> See you, bud. You said that, too, right? You bet your sweet... Is that the response? That's the response. Oh, okay. A few people are texting in the middle question that's highlighted up there, Preston. All right, what is a four-letter word ending in K that means to have intercourse? Right. Okay. It's got the answer up there. Right. Yeah. I see it. Uh, C word. No, it's not. <laughs> that doesn't end in K. It does. Yeah. That ends in T. The male one. No. Does. No. Uh, I was thinking. Yeah. I only know one C word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, talk. To have yeah. intercourse. Yes. These are Dialogue. these are fun little mind. Uh, you know. Yeah. Hey, by the way, if you want to hear the worst jer- jokes, absolutely by far worse than dad jokes. Um, ask Alexa to tell you a joke. Oh, really? Uh, they because they have to make them so benign and oh. generic. All right, that they're, they're just staggeringly bad. Okay. Imagine oh. me and you. Okay. I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right. I didn't know it started off acapella. Oh, this is isolated tracks. And the only tight. So happy together. If I should call you up, invest a dime, and you say you belong to me, then leave my mind. We gotta let this get in the chorus, yeah. Because we've got to sing together. So very fine, so happy together. Here we go. I can't be loving nobody but you for all my life. When you're with me, baby, the sky's an angle. Do you know he used to host? Um, he was on. He was on uh, New York radio for a while. On uh, the lead singer, the Turtles, K Rock. Yeah, yeah. I don't know his name. Uh, I forget his name. But he uh, he he wasn't that good. But he was energetic. Interesting. All right, that's our sing along for the day. We have to have at least one yeah. every single day. It happens. Uh, was his name Howard Kalen or Mark Volman? Oh wait, not Flo and Eddie. Flo uh, and Eddie. Why, the, the Turtles? Flo and Eddie uh, does the weekend song that Pierre plays 
every week. Okay. I'm so sorry. All right. We, would, we could keep going on and on. Oh, with the information break. you can certainly never use. All right. We will be back in just a moment. Oh. But, uh, yeah, no, no more. No more. Sorry. Knock it off. Stop it. All right. You bet your sweet ass we are. Yeah, yeah. Take a break. I we'll be right back. Stop talking. <laughs> if you like what you hear, you can see it, too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on PrestonandSteve.com. Everyone loves a smart investment, and there is no better place to put your money right now than in your home. And Window Nation has the perfect offer for anyone with a home at least 20 years old. Protect and increase the value of your home and energy efficiency by installing new windows from Window Nation. Window Nation is making it insanely easy to do so with 0% interest for five years. Plus, Window Nation will give you two windows free with every two you purchase. 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them Preston and Steve sent you. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. So, I got this a number of times. Thank you to everyone who made me aware that a truck carrying about 100 monkeys was involved in a crash Friday in Pennsylvania. State police said as authorities searched for at least three of the monkeys that appeared to have escaped the vehicle. The truck carrying the animals crashed with a dump truck in the afternoon in Montour County. Uh, The truck had been on its way to a lab, and authorities have asked residents who might see the monkeys to call state police. Now, I haven't seen any follow-up on this yet, okay? Those three monkeys have been euthanized. <gasps> yeah. yeah, they were killed. And uh, that monkey lab, I'm curious because that, that where that crash happened was right near where I went to college. Bucknell University has a monkey lab. Oh. I was wondering if they were taking those monkeys to that lab. Did Maybe. you think outbreak the first second you heard this? I mean, it was, Steve, like, I was up right. in, in that direction this weekend, and I kept looking for the monkeys all weekend long. <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, hey, it's the monkeys. Did anybody see a monkey? <laughs> wow. Uh, an investigation has begun after claims that the body of a dead man was taken to an Irish post office in an attempt to claim his pension. Reports suggest a deceased pensioner was, quote, propped up by two men as his body was carried into the building this in, is County, in County Carlo. Weekend at O'Burney's, Preston. There you go. <laughs> it said that the two men dropped the body and fled when staff questioned them. Is, is this man dead? The Irish police are investigating the circumstances no. surrounding the unexplained death of an elderly male. He just likes to kid around. Uh, the Irish Times said that it understood that the concerned staff member inquired about the well-being of a man being propped up when the group approached the post office counter. So you're telling me if I were to take this letter opener and plunge it into his rectum, he would react. The two men fled, dropping the body at the scene, and when the staff checked on the elderly man, they were shocked to discover that he was indeed dead. Dead. You have to admire their the attempt. Yes. Uh, a man had called into the post office and had asked to collect pension on behalf of an elderly man. <laughs> that request was refused. His staff told him the pensioner had to be present in order to release the money. A short time later, two men arrived back uh, with a man aged in his 60s who collapsed in the post office. Detectives are now investigating if the man was already dead when he was brought into the post office, which I think they believe he was. Well, then can I, can I ask you, what if he's already dead? Uh, it reported that a nearby house has been uh, sealed off as a crime scene, so uh, I'll wait to see if there's a follow-up on that one right. as well. Uh, this is crazy. In uh, Lewiston, Maine, a man who stumbled along the street while carrying his own severed arm... Oh. <gasps> was saved oh by two public workers who saw him and happened to be trained in the use of tourniquets. 
Nice. Yeah, as Witnesses, if he needed a hand. Yeah. Witnesses said the man's arm was cut off Friday near the shoulder, apparently in a workplace accident. Uh, <laughs> the members of a public works crew applied a tourniquet while wow. they were waiting for an ambulance to arrive, uh, arrive, and they say that most likely that saved his life. So wow. how, how much of his arm was torn off? All, like to the, the shoulder, shoulder wow. Okay, so yeah. where do you apply a tourniquet in that case? Yeah, I don't know, but these guys knew. I mean, if... If it's up here, maybe there's enough that they can they can tie off. I little, don't know. The little nubby right there. Uh, so uh, apparently investigators followed a trail of blood back to a business where several people said that the man had been operating a bandsaw at the time. Uh, the injured man, whose name was not released, was taken to a hospital. He was expected to survive. It was unclear whether surgeons were able to reattach his arm or not. Feels so stupid. I cut my arm off. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. I am so stupid. Wow. Uh, an Irishman who refused to wear a COVID mask during a flight from Dublin to New York and exposed his naked rear end to a flight attendant Look at my arse. now faces up to 20 years in prison if convicted of assault. Oof. Shane McElnerney from Galloway was alleged to have caused a disturbance on a Delta Airlines flight on the 7th of January. The mask was just the beginning. Wait till you see my butthole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he appeared before a judge in New York a week later and was charged with intentionally assaulting and intimidating a member of a flight crew. This my ass intimidate you? Uh, the suspect so gorgeous. Repeatedly refused to wear a mask, threw a beverage can and hit a passenger in the head. And pulled down his pants and underwear and mooned a flight attendant and passengers. By any chance, Preston, was I inebriated? They didn't indicate in this story, but, you know, maybe mm, so. I uh, think so. McElnerney was headed to Florida to take up a job at a football academy. Mm. Uh, he was He's released like a reverse Ted Lasso. on a $20,000 bail as he... Ass. ...awaits <laughs> trial, by the way, yeah. <laughs> All right, and then one last story. This is a freak accident. Uh, the vicinity of a single building in downtown Yokohama, Japan, suddenly became a danger zone one afternoon when a bizarre chain reaction of falls left four people injured. Huh. Uh, the incident uh, began when police received a call of a man in his 40s or 50s that had fallen from the rooftop of a five-story building. In addition to the height, he also reportedly had fallen in a very narrow gap between the neighboring building. After the initial fall, a woman in her 40s looked out a window on the third floor of the same building to see what happened. However, in doing so, she lost her balance and also fell out. And at the same time, another man was looking through a window on the second floor right below her to see what had happened. The woman fell out of the third floor window, hit the man in his head while he was looking through the second floor window. She then hit another man who was standing on the ground. Oh, my God. That's a threefer. So three for there on top of the fourth guy who had already fallen. We cannot achieve much <laughs> with so small penis. No, why would he say that? Uh, mirac- must have been delirious from the collision. Uh, miraculously, everyone is expected to survive and only receive minor injuries, uh, except for the first fallen man who is being treated for bone fractures. Uh, since everyone is conscious and in stable condition, uh, police are currently trying to unravel how all this happened from their testimony. Wow. wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't hear I, that often. I still have loads of other outrageous stories. The weekend was rife with them, like I said earlier. So make sure that you stick with us for another run at the B-File later on this morning. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a second or two. Make sure you hang close on this Monday morning. The Preston and Steve Show Podcast. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. 
for you, Ninety-three-three WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. Brought to you by CSB. This year, invest in yourself and your future at CSB Media Arts Center in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Broadcast media training in months, not years. Schedule your tour today. Visit GoCSB.com. It's time for the trash, and then the gang talks to Ken Burns about his Ben Franklin documentary. What's going on this morning, Steve? Well, Mark Cuban launching an online pharmacy that provides over 100 generic drugs at reduced prices. Cuban says his online pharmacy is perfect for anyone who isn't, quote, a pussy about expiration dates. Hey! Arnold Schwarzenegger was involved in a bad car accident that found his Yukon SUV rolled up on top of two other cars. Making matters worse, Arnold's accent-heavy 911 call had EMTs heading to a Home Depot looking for a woman giving birth. Uh, oh, my God. And finally, Mars announcing that the M&M candy characters will become more inclusive and will feature an orange M&M with anxiety issues and a green M&M who will defy feminine stereotypes. As for now, Mars says they have no plans for an M&M character that advocates for healthy diets. <laughs> and that's your highlight Our next guest is always a joy to have on. He's just the nicest guy in the world and one of the most talented guys. Oh, love his stuff. Especially when it comes to documentaries. And uh, we are happy that the subject happens to be one so near and dear to this city, our most famous resident ever, Mr. Benjamin Franklin is the source of this. So uh, it premieres tonight, and it is also on tomorrow, 8 p.m. on PBS. It is a four-hour documentary. Please welcome Mr. Ken Bird. Morning, morning. How are you guys doing? It's been a while. It has. It is good to see you as well. We're doing this via Zoom, but, uh, but thanks so much for joining us again, Ken. It's always great to have you on. It's always great to be on. Thank you. Yeah, now we got one really super close to home, don't we? Wow, it, yeah. It's, and Preston said, so, you know, a near and dear, and obviously we, there's so much. It, you can't go anywhere in this city and not see. Obviously, this holds true for the country and for history, but in particular here, we almost feel like he's a he's a living uh, resident. You, you, you know, he's always around you in mm. one form or another. Yeah, that's that's the key thing about Franklin. You hit the nail on the head. You know, he's accessible. He's not like... Uh, the other founding fathers, the kind of marble statuary that seemed fixed in their time. He's very accessible to us. He's a great writer, so he communicates that way. He's our original humorist. You know, there's so many things in our lives in which he's had an impact. Um, and he's the most important person in my mind, at least equal to George Washington, for our independence. And without his diplomacy, the greatest diplomat in American history, without his editing of the Declaration, without his forging of the compromises that created the Constitution, we don't have a country. And he's he's fluid. He's always trying to self-improve. He's always trying to get better. He, For a while, when he was a wealthy man and retired, he held some enslaved people as household uh, servants. And, you know, they by the end of his life, he's leading an abolitionist society and proposing the abolition of slavery, you know, decades before most of the abolition movement got started in the 19th century. And he's funny, you know. He's oh. good and he's generous. Like, he's on the $100 bill. Everybody wants more <laughs> Benjamins. Right? We're, missing, yeah. we're missing half of the equation because he bound it back 
to civic improvement. The why Franklin's on everything here is because he was interested in making the community better. Let's remember he was born in the Massachusetts Bay Colony as a little kid broke out of an indentured servitude to come here to, to Philadelphia and died in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Yeah. He was as much interested in what we do together, the good we do together, as he did for uh, improving himself financially. I mean, all of his inventions, the lightning rod, the stove, the bifold, all of that are held without patent. He would have been a hundred times richer, but he understood that these were good for everybody. So he's the embodiment of the whole tension between what I want, personal freedom, and what we need, collective freedom. And he knew how to parse that. And that's why he's so great. And that's why he lives today. You know, it's interesting, uh, Candace, that you were so, I think, in general bereft of the belief that the people that we entrust are, whether they be the political elite or the people that we elect, that they, they have you know, our best intentions at heart. That's a motivation. But you look at Ben Franklin and you look at, you said, you just reeled off a list of things that that really does seem to be about someone looking to intercede on, you know, on behalf of the people. That's right. And, That's and right. a guy who is resolute in evolving himself, who could realize his own foibles and what he needed to improve upon. That's exactly right. And so, you know, the problem today is not that the people aren't there that want to serve, is that we live in a binary media culture, computer culture. Everything's a one or a zero. Exactly. You know, you know for us, life is melodrama. Every villain is perfectly villainous. Every hero is perfectly virtuous until we discover that they've got a flaw and then we throw them out, right? It doesn't matter left, right, center. That's what happens. But what Franklin understood is that, you know, this is a tragedy. You know, people are complicated. He had, you know, he, he had strained relations in his family in lots of different ways. His son was the royal governor of New Jersey, stayed a loyalist, you know, was in prison during the revolution, got out, presumed he'd go to London. Instead, he stayed to start a terrorist organization killing patriots. Not that there weren't patriot organizations killing loyalists. Right. It was a big mess. But, you know, they never reconciled. He stayed away from his wife, Deborah, who stayed back and ran the family businesses for 15 out of the last 17 years. He knew that she had had a stroke, was dying, and wow. he wasn't there for her death. So, yeah, he's he's complicated, but he has this desire to improve himself, and he makes all these lists of virtues that he tries to do, and and yet he's, you know, he's, he's human like you and me, so he's recognizable. And I think our problem today is that we just, we, it's, a, it's an on-off switch and life isn't about that. You can't be married, you can't have kids, you can't be a friend without understanding you're going to tolerate somebody else with flaws and that they themselves are tolerating your flaws. Well, it's also been said that you're, you're, you know, you're more interested in the imperfections. I think the imperfections are what makes someone human. I also think something that you've yeah. employed constantly throughout your years as, as a documentarian is the ability Ability to judge people in their time to realize right. that that you know some it's eventually there might be a finger pointing at you for what you, for what you're not doing quite right that might not be suitable as things move along. So realize that people in their time. Uh, and, and I think Ben Franklin's one of the prime examples of somebody. But he's exactly that. He's exactly this. that. But he's speaking to us from that time and said, "Look, I could look." at the limitations of the rest of the people around me of my time. I mean, Jefferson writes the declaration that all men are created equal. You know, he wrote, here's the good part. He writes, 
We hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable. Sends the first draft to Franklin. He goes, this is beautiful, Tom, beautiful. But let's make these truths self-evident. We're in the age of enlightenment, right? Right. Just like the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west. Let's make it self-evident. Let's not tie it to religion anymore. Let's just make it, this is scientific. This is the rights of human beings, you know? And so he... You know, Jefferson never saw the hypocrisy or the contradiction. I made a film on him about owning slaves, but Franklin did, and he worked on that. And so he was able to transcend it. You know, in his will, he left some money um, for for kids in his native Boston and in Philadelphia uh, to to go into the trades. And I, I talked to some folks from the Boston School, the Franklin Institute, and they were all, you know, young first generation immigrants or um, uh, you know, lower uh, middle class folks right. that are striving to go to college for the first time. They were so filled with that energy that Franklin wanted Americans to have. It was just so beautiful that this gesture that this guy dying in 1790 makes that today in 2022, there are people benefiting, not just what we read about, not just yeah. the documentaries that we watch, but are benefiting from this endowment to say, you matter. If you work hard, you can go someplace and there ought to be a place. It happens to be the United States of America doesn't always work well, where if you apply yourself, we ought to be able to help you get along. And it isn't, you know, it isn't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's what the people think about Franklin, who loved the hundred dollar bill. That's why he's on the biggest denomination in general circulation. But they miss that other point that we are required to help each other. You know, Orwell makes a point in 1984 of talking about the um, a world that's just a constant present. There's no there's no past. There's no there's nothing to learn from. And 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 uh, and here is a case where if you go back and visit, you know, what what you might think of someone. I love taking a dive into someone's best and you've been the vessel for helping me do this and all of us do this over the years the things that you learn and and the more someone becomes a well-rounded positive negative kind of person the more you can appreciate what they did you'd mentioned franklin's rules to live by and you mentioned you know how he could have been uh, you know fabulously wealthy if he had patented some of these inventions one of his rules is be extremely frugal what was the right. one thing that franklin couldn't be frugal about they just love too much to, yeah, to well, not be a little audacious well, you know, what's so funny is John Adams arrives a little bit late in Paris. Franklin's been there for a while negotiating with the French, and he knows how to handle the French. Adams has studied French language by reading, by by memorizing funeral orations. <laughs> Franklin's <laughs> learning to perfect his friends by writing love letters to the ladies. Mm. So I think he just found in the high society of Paris just a way in which, oops, a lot of those aphorisms, a lot of those things that he had said, you know, early to bed, you know, and, and, and Adams goes there and he goes, hey, where's poor Richard? Where's early to bed and early to rise? But but to, to Adam's great shock, Franklin had already negotiated two treaties. And just think about it. Washington had a big task not to lose a battle. Yeah, he wins at Trenton, but that's a surprise thing, and it's not this big of a deal. There is a victory at Saratoga, which allows Franklin to convince the, uh, the French that we're a viable, that we can win this thing. But when Cornwallis sur- uh, surrenders at Yorktown in 1781, Washington is there with about 9,000 Continental soldiers that are equipped and uniformed 
by the French. Thank you, Benjamin Franklin. Next to him are nearly the same amount of French soldiers. Thank you, Benjamin Franklin. And oh, by the way, Cornwallis can't escape and has to surrender because out in the harbor is a French fleet blocking the British retreat wow. back to New York. Thank you, Dr. Franklin. So all of this, you know, know him, know us is what I like to say. It's amazing. You know what, uh, Ken, we had, uh, Steve and I had received an award from uh, uh, the, the Masons here in Philadelphia, and we got invited to the Masonic <clears throat> Temple for a ceremony and, a, and an evening. And that place is just dripping with Ben Franklin. I of mean, I, it was amazing to see his likeness all over the place. And it was at that point, I re- obviously, I knew the legend of Ben, and I know the thumbnails version of his history. But how many things he had his hands in and yes. what and how he could uh how, how did he have enough time yes, yes. So, so to do he's, that he's so here's the key to him i think um and you'll see it in the film so his parents want him to go on a harvard tenure you know track uh, education but they can only afford a couple years elementary school early so he has two years of schooling so as um the writer hw brand says in our film he didn't know what he didn't have to know because school teaches you what you need to know but also what you don't need to know right right so he he figures out he has to learn everything so he's omnivorous he reads all the time he does all that when he gets to philadelphia and he's a printer and he's beginning to make it in the world he collects like-minded tradesmen the leather apron club it was called the junto meaning to join together and what comes out of this and his other civic stuff the free library of philadelphia the university of pennsylvania hospitals police forces volunteer fire departments uh, ideas on how to pave roads ideas on how to maintain street lights all of this stuff that is promoting a civic good at the same time he's improving himself and our problem today is that we're all independent free agents and it's just get what i can and i don't have to care about the other and this is not a left or right problem this is an american problem franklin points us the way to a kind of optimistic as you were saying present where you're filled with the past a lot of people say history repeats itself it never does mark twain who was the second humorist after you know franklin franklin said fish and visitors stink after three days (laughs) three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead right you know this this is great he understands um that human nature doesn't change. And so you're always up against the foibles of human nature, even when he is given the great honor of proposing the adoption of the Constitution in 1787 in Philadelphia. He says, look, when you assemble all these people with all their wisdom, you also gather their prejudices. And so you're not going to make a perfect document, and they don't. In order to keep the southern states in so that we're not warring, you know, states on the East Coast, they permit them to count their slaves as three-fifths of a person. It's a horrible compromise, but there wouldn't have been a United States without it. Ken, you uh, can Monday morning quarterback it, <laughs> and it's going to set in motion the Civil War, the worst event in American history, and Franklin knew it. But within a few months of his government getting started, the government that he helped forge, he sends in a resolution um, uh, suggesting that they outlaw slavery. Wow. Right. Great. wow. When, wow. You, when you think about Ben Franklin, um, you, the two cities that come to mind are, are Boston and Philadelphia. And I want to know, Ken, why you think uh, Philadelphia is the better of those two cities. <laughs> oh, well, it's much better. Uh, you know, I tell you, so he grows up in Puritan Boston, right? The Cotton, the Ma- Cotton Mather and the Mather family are the sort of the religious stuff and he's he's 
his family is, um, as I said, kind of lower middle class. They're candle makers. They can't even afford to send him to school. He apprentices, indentured servant, to his older brother James's print shop. Thank God for us. And as a teenager, he's learning to set type upside down and backwards. He becomes hyper literate. He's he's uh, submitting anonymous letters from an old widow that are hilarious and they're hugely popular. And the paper takes off. And when his brother finds out about it, he gets jealous. So you know the things are good he 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 runs away he is a runaway and comes to philadelphia the city of brotherly love founded by quakers a little bit more tolerant a little bit more aware of native uh uh interests all the these different cultures and religions are there and he really imbibes it you know it's it's and he manifested in fact at his funeral the largest gathering of people in the history of philadelphia at to that point came together and at the head were all the religious leaders of all the mm. denominations of all the religions present in philadelphia muslim catholic jewish Protest, all the various protestant sects and it's 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 a testament to the fact that he understood that at the heart of all religions is the idea that i need to do better for my fellow citizens so, we've heard i've heard him mentioned occasionally as the Amer- the closest that america will come to a da vinci to to someone who is that that you know that 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 um i mean as you said he uh, just on a scientific level he yeah, let's go you, go ahead you, you- so, you know, my first, it's so funny that you said that. I, I, I'm friends with Walter Isaacson, who wrote a wonderful biography of Ben, and, and, and he's in our film, along with lots of other people who've written biographies of him and scholars about him and stuff like that. But Walter also wrote a, a, a wonderful biography of Leonardo da Vinci. And so we're actually in the early stages of producing our first non-American topic on Leonardo. But let's go back and examine. Your question is so to the point. The thing that people don't remember is that when he becomes a revolutionary, he's 69 years old. He's got 15 years to go on this unbelievable life that spans most of the 18th century. Born in 1706, dies in 1790. This is an amazing, amazing life. Born, by the way, on the same day as Muhammad Ali, my last film. Mm -hmm. He may be the most amazing person personality of the 20th century. Ben Franklin is without a doubt the most amazing American personality of the 18th century. But he is, he retires because he's made enough money enough money. He could be fabulously wealthy with the patents, but he's not. And to invent. And in his work with electricity, it's as important as Isaac Newton. I mean, if there were Nobel Prizes back then, he would have had it. He was the most famous American in the world, which is why we sent him to France, because the only person anybody on earth could name who came from America was Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) And let's just think about it. We just get distracted by the kite experiment. We think the lightning has to strike the kite. It doesn't. He is proving principles that he got it was parlor tricks about kissing people with static electricity but now let's think about the names that we i'm, I'm sure you're not an electrical engineer i'm not right. but if i said to you positive and negative charge battery and conductor those five very easy to understand terms borrowed from other parts of our language battery is a military term these are all coined by franklin Hmm. so that the world not just the scientific community but everyone could begin to have a relationship with this mysterious force called electricity he is when he arrives in france he's a cult hero and what's he promoting with his little printing press (laughs) 
democracy right. for the for these people who are subjects to King Louis the Sixteenth. It's just you can't make this stuff up, and why it's so much better, I think, than fiction. If you're just tuning in, it's Ken Burns, uh, who is uh, his special uh, the four hour documentary Benjamin Franklin premieres tonight and tomorrow eight p.m. on PBS. Can you, you know stream it? You can stream it. By the way, once it goes out, it's, okay. it's available for free on all the PBS platforms. So Excellent. look at it when you want. Uh, you mentioned uh, the kite, the uh, the lightning strike, and and there are myths that yes. surround sure. uh, yeah. uh, the the amazing individual that was known as Benjamin Franklin. Um, it, is that touched on in this stuff, or is that yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. I think this is you know myths are like barnacles that attach themselves to the hull of the ship and impede the smooth sailing. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's just you know Washington wooden teeth, no nope, <laughs> porcelain, never told a lie. Everybody lies. Threw a coin across the Potomac too wide. You know, I mean, <laughs> the Dodgers would hire him. But I, I have it on good authority that Kim Jong Un has never gone to the bathroom. So uh, well, yeah. that, that could that could. right. So right. I believe right. that That's, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he looks a little constipated, doesn't he? <laughs> Let me ask you again, because you're. you're you're uh, obviously... Uh, now, and, and, now he's redirected the missiles. <laughs> <to> the <laughs> That's right. They're coming right at us. Um, in the world of documentarians, is there a documentarian that you could see you turning your talents on who represents a, uh, a story worth telling? Because I, I, oh, What a wonderful question. What are you thinking about? I, you know, I don't know. You know, there's a great series that Seth Meyers does. It's a comedic take on some of the great documentaries like Nanook of the North and other the yes. classics. And, and you know, I was wondering through your particular prism, is there anyone that jumps out at you that you yeah. think? You, you know what? A- it's, a, it's a little bit biased. Nanook of the North is, is um, interesting and now deeply yeah. flawed because the anthropology of it, there are too yeah. many scenes set up. But it's Robert Flaherty who's considered the first American documentary uh, guy. And, and some of them are, 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 are terrific uh, films. I've got a friend, so this is completely biased, uh, who's uh, mainly known for his um, feature films, the German director, uh, Werner Herzog. Oh, he's And we've been friends for 30 years, and he and I are the oddest couple on earth, you know? (laughs) I mean, we've been friends, and our films couldn't be more different. But I I adore him. He's he's amazing. I just finished another film that'll be out in the fall in the U.S. and the Holocaust. And just by the way, whenever you want a really scary Nazi voice, I always go to Werner. (laughs) (laughs) I need your best Gestapo voice. <laughs> this quote by Goering is so bad that you just have to drip it with evil. Okay. You know, and then at one point he turns to me he says, he says, I am interested in, in the static truth. And my friend Ken here is interested in an emotional truth. You know, and it's like, That's- he goes on and on. I, I'd like to just find, go to the depths of Werner's ecstatic truths. And he's done, he's done lots of documentaries lately. In fact, more documentaries recently than, than, than feature films. And um, I adore him. He's great. He's but brilliant. I'm yeah. totally biased. Yeah. Ken, I, I had dinner with my parents on Friday night and I told them that you were going to be on the show this morning. And uh, so my dad's first question, because we all watched uh, baseball together when we were growing up and, and, so, and it's just such a wonderful 
uh, tribute to the to the history of the sport and the current sport uh, and what it's become. But my dad wanted me to ask you, Ken Burns, uh, are the Phillies going to win the NL East this year? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, you know. I live uh, within the radiational, gravitational pull of Boston because it, it isn't the Boston Red Sox; it's the New England Red Sox. <laughs> so we've been I've been up here for forty three years and or more. I've been up for more than fifty years, and if we include some time in Massachusetts, so I've got that disease and whenever i'm asked i always say oh the, the red sox are going to win <laughs> and i can't concentrate on anyone else because i'm trying to hold up that you know house of cards although we have won four world championships I know. this millennium which you know like the last century they 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 did four and then suddenly couldn't kind of connect for i think it's i think it's 86 years anyway yeah just a brief pause well, yeah yeah just a just a slight little hiccup right? season starts too and we'll see what happens well, then, uh, Ken, it's uh, it's always such a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much. And we're really excited about the fact yeah, that I you're focusing you in on Ben. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for you to see it. I think he's, you'll just feel like, oh, I know this guy. He's yeah. real, you know. The yeah. past. The past is not past, uh, Faulkner says. It, it's now, and you just sort of feel like, oh, if you if you get at the 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 good and the bad of somebody, they feel like somebody you know. And I I made that mistake. I was talking to a reporter, and I said, you know, um, I've known him now for like five years, and she said, know him, and I said, oops, oh, right, you know. But I do, and I hope you know him too. At the end of this uh, two parter, we're looking forward to it. Premieres today, and we'll be streaming everywhere that uh, PBS has uh, stuff available. So excellent, Ken. Thank you so much. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon, okay? I look forward to that. Thank you, guys. You Have got a good it. one. Ken Burns! Yeah. Something else. Man, I Just love great. talking Just to great. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does his uh, He does his research. He gets on board with things that, things that he's absolutely passionate about. Preston, imagine if most of your history teachers throughout school were like Ken Burns. Oh, man! Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd actually... Yeah. You would have dialed in I'd a little listen, bit, right? Yeah. You know? And, and I wish I would have. You know, I, I, I look at some of the things. I remember... When my kids uh, were entered into to middle school, and I was helping them with their homework, and and uh, I started reading it, and I'm like, you know what? Now I finally find Mesopotamia fascinating. <laughs> yeah. When I was that age, I you could have, you know, I would have rather been punched in the face than read about this stuff, and now I actually care uh, care about it. Yeah. So, uh, but when you do get a great teacher, when you get somebody who can explain things, or a documentarian, or somebody who's who's presenting this information, and they do it in an entertaining way, it it, it sets. It's really cool that that happens. Uh, we got to take a break. Be back in a moment. Stay with us. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that's no longer a sedative for your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is on a mission to make the most of the loaf, to rid the world of GMOs, high fructose corn syrup, and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. Killer taste, killer texture, and always organic. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread amplified. 